Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poon. It's episode 291. I am joined, as always, by my co-host Stacy. That is at Stacy Patton 89 on Twitter. Stacy, how are you enjoying um this double victory Monday that we have here? Yeah, I mean, what could we possibly have to talk about today? Uh, I don't know. But um yeah, doing pretty good. Um yeah, uh my voice is recovered from Friday night, so that's good. Um, still got the shirt. Uh, this is what they gave out at the garden. You got the Willis Reed patch on nice. this side. Uh, the other side. <laughs> yeah, you got the Chase Freedom patch too. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Chase Freedom, Willis Reed, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we get started, um, we have to make a few announcements. The first being that the Strickland has an Instagram. Check that out. That is at the Strick.land on Instagram. We are posting all kinds of new content on there. Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast. If you are and you haven't already, hit like and then subscribe to the channel. That would be a huge help to us. The Strickland also has merchandise, new merch. There's Quickly merch. There's Brunson merch. We also have some old merch. We have RJ Barrett water bottles and mugs. They're great. Uh, check all that out. We're, uh, we've got a lot of shit on there. And then finally, the Strickland has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There is a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland, this podcast that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland Mailbag, hosted by Drew, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. the Doug Bag. That comes out every other week alongside Dallas Amico. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There is a $9 tier that gets you access to Strick and Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the Knicks even more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits, like listening in on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. So without further ado, let's get started. Um, the Knicks won two basketball games this weekend uh they beat the piss out of out of cleveland on friday uh 99 79 is the first time all season any team has failed to score uh 80 points so uh shout out to cleveland making history uh and then yesterday the knicks won a more competitive game 102 93 but honestly that i it felt like the knicks left a lot on the table and they probably should have been up more at halftime. They just had a bad stretch to start the third quarter. But other than that, they dominated the game. I mean, they they controlled the game. And that was with Randall playing like, I don't know what the hell was going on with him yesterday. Um, and quickly didn't score. And Grimes was out. And it didn't matter. And like, I mean, RJ played awesome, but he couldn't buy a three. Like, it, even with all of these things, the Knicks completely dominated the game. And... You know, watching that fourth quarter to me, especially, you can just see how much more versatility the Knicks have, and not just in terms of they have better depth, but their 
they have a lot of players who can perform different tasks. And I, I will I will say this. If you're watching on YouTube, you see it says a Tibbs Masterclass. And I want to give him a ton of credit because uh, in real time yesterday, when he took out quickly to put in a heart, I didn't like that substitution. Um, not because I didn't want heart on the floor. I just generally thought the spacing and the spacing is better with quickly. And, you know, you wanted Brunson to get in space, but what he did correctly and what he must've realized in real time. And that's why idiots like me don't get paid to coach. Um, they started, they were blitzing Brunson so heavily that it opened up all of these four on three opportunities. And if you go back and watch the game, quickly got a swing a swing on a four on three and he drove but he kind of hesitated he ended up getting a foul on uh on garland but he basically took him out i think maybe the possession or two after that and from that point on every time they quickly bl- also fouled a three-point shooter he'd been playing superb defense that rotation on allen that led to the hartenstein block that was i mean i think benji clipped that but i yeah. think that was right after he fouled osmond shooting at three right um, no, that was in the first half. He fouled Osmond yeah. in the first half. Um, I do but, think he got taken out after that, which that is, a, I can imagine Tim's. Tim's yeah, I, I think RJ was actually already at the table, but yeah, I mean, he, he got, I mean, he, it made sense for to take him out there anyway. Um, but yeah, like after that, he put heart in that spot and they just, they, they didn't have anything. You know, they, if they trapped Brunson, RJ and Hart were punishing them. If they didn't trap Brunson, Brunson was just cooking guys. So, you just look at the for and like this isn't to say that there aren't four on three opportunities where maybe quickly performs better than Hart, but the the fact is you can put multiple guys in that spot on this roster. You can have Obi be in that spot. You can have RJ be in that spot. You can have Quick be in that spot. Like you have so many different options. You can have Brunson be in that spot if they start trapping quickly, right? Like you have options to put in these different roles. And, you know, Tibbs also made another, like he started screening with RJ out of a timeout and they got the, the two possessions right after that. When they started running the screens for RJ, he got a wide open corner three, which he missed, but then Obi got the rebound and he had that spectacular play where he, you know, he circles around and then makes a layup took and then Mitchell to the hole, took him yeah, to the hole. Yeah. And then, and then the possession after that, um, I, RJ got a driving layup, um, out of it. So like, you immediately saw his tactical choices pay dividends. And I've, you know, I mean, I, I've been critical of him obviously in the past and this year, increasingly, I've been very impressed with like some of his adjustments, you know, not just in game, but broadly, you know, we've talked about the rotation changes endlessly, but like to see that yesterday, um, you know, the ability to have small, small pick and rolls, guard wing, pick and rolls, wing guard, like just, the willingness to do those things and the and, and to trust his players just speaks volumes. I think probably about really everybody in the organization from the front office, you know, really building out a, a talented and deep roster to the players coming along and finding strides. I mean, RJ Barrett, I, I can't say enough about what the last two games he's played. I mean, he he's been spectacular in the in games three and four. He was fantastic, and it's just really awesome to see because I was not optimistic after the first two games and after what we saw in the regular season, but to see what he's doing offensively now, um, I mean, in these two games has been special and, you know, so, you know, kudos to all the players, but you know, him specifically in that sense. And then you also just have to credit Tibbs for like, I think he does really love this team. And I think that he really look, when you're with guys now for three years, like, 
there's probably a certain level of trust that he has that he didn't have initially. And it's not always perfect because it's never going to be always perfect, no matter who the coach is. But, you know, he's pushing the right buttons and he's making good adjustments in game. You know, could he have adjusted defensively a little quicker in the third quarter? Sure. But on aggregate, you have to say that he's he's winning the coaching matchup in this series as far as I'm concerned. And yeah, some of that is just that he ha- he does have more versatile pieces, but he's willing to use them in that role. And, and he's doing it in ways that, you know, quite honestly, we didn't always see from him in, in the previous season. So um, I, I just wanted to say like, you know, RJ was awesome and Brunson was awesome. And Mitch was fucking amazing yesterday. Um, and Hartenstein. I mean, all these guys, literally you can just point to everybody aside from Julius yesterday. And I was, pretty happy with everything everybody did um but man tip tips he deserves uh some kudos too so um shout out to him and obviously just everybody in the organization just a really really awesome weekend and feels like you know the knicks look they got to win one more but um i love their odds i love their chances yeah coming into this series you know before the series we had jordan cohen come on and, um, you know, I think he echoed a sentiment that I've seen from a lot of Cavs bloggers. So we coming this year, as we said, the Knicks are going to let Okoro shoot. They're going to let even Levert, they're going to help off of. Um, and they're going to live with that if they get beat by those guys. And the Cavs bloggers mostly were saying the same thing. Um, and I think the Cavs defensive approach has echoed this. They're going to let R.J. Barrett beat them. They were not, um, they were not worried about R.J. Barrett. And coming to the series, I thought, you know, We've we both you know talked about some of the struggles he's had ups and downs, but I, I think like one team he always plays well against is the Miami Heat, uh, who also feature um, a small guard or you know a smaller guard in, uh, in Tyler Hero. For what it's worth, I think Darius Garland is a significantly better defender than Tyler Hero, but that matchup remained for Barrett. Right, his physicality being probably something that he could exploit against these Cavs guards. Uh, struggled to finish in game one, but I like the pro- I, really only game two is the, the the game where I thought his offensive process was bad. Um, you know, game one he had a couple of the transition gaffes, but um, but the last two games you saw you saw it all come together. And the thing is, it, you can talk about the scoring. Um, I thought he was incredibly effective going to his right. Cleveland was shading him there. He was taking that space. He loves that little inside hand finish. Um, he was even hitting, you know, some of those, I mean, that fadeaway at the end is the kind of shot we probably, uh, you know, <laughs> would not like from him. Uh, he could have kicked it out to a shooter, but he was feeling it. He was in the zone and I mean, it, it set the garden on, on fire. Um, but it was, it was also things he had a great possession and transition defense on Mobley where he stripped him. Um, and then I think Mobley got the ball back and then they called a foul on RJ, which was ticky tack, but I loved his effort there. Um, I thought on defense, he's been pretty good all series um, with a few maybe lapses in help defense. He was just as big a part of it as anyone else yesterday. Um, I put him back on Garland in the beginning of the third, or, you know, to your point, later in the third. Um, after Garland, you know, I, I thought that was a good adjustment from Bickerstaff. Um, and, and just a side note, it's kind of a lesson, I think, to many people. And, and I think Tibbs has taken advantage of this, too, with, with how he got uh, well, how he's gotten Brunson going, and even quickly in Game Three, especially using them a little bit more off ball. Even if you want to run them a screen, run some action first uh, to get the defense in motion instead of just you know. The, the point is, like, if you have a matchup you think you want to attack, um, it doesn't mean the only way to do that is just put them in the middle of the floor and run a screen or just go ISO. Um, and and there's because there's very few guys that are that's actually a great move. The Cavs have one. 
Garland can be that, and I think he will be in a matter of time, but that's not his forte right now. And the Knicks have a guy like that. But even then, you know, you still want to kind of get them the ball in some advantageous positions. So I thought Bickerstaff made a really good adjustment. Um, he, he started, you know, he had the pin downs for Garland, and Brunson had been top-locking them. So Garland, he took advantage with a back cut in the first half. And I think on what was really a nice wrinkle there was they had Mitchell Robs. You know, a lot of people said, well, Mitch should have been there. It was an, you know, an easy dunk for Garland. But they had Jared Allen positioned outside, and they had Mitchell on the other side. So given how the Knicks were playing, and it shows also that even if you have a paint-bound big, you can manufacture some spacing. Well, I think Allen of- was... He was like screening for somebody off ball as a decoy, yeah. I think. Yeah. Right. So you can create spacing or you can create that those rim opportunities, even if you have a paint bound big by doing these kind of things. Uh, that's why Hartenstein is so aware of that. He's been, it's another reason he's been good. But I thought that those are good adjustments by Bernie, but I'm oh, sorry, by JB. Um, and, um, but you know, the, the, the Knicks eventually adapted. They, they went back to move Brunson back onto Levert. And that was a matchup the Cavs had attacked, but, um, but they didn't really, they weren't able to do it. I think quickly coming in helped stabilize the defense a little bit. Um, and then they were going through Donovan and, and he was in, in hell all game. Um, and I will, I have to say this, you were talking about, you know, how many guys, I will say this, Deuce McBride had maybe yep. the most impactful yep. five minutes since the last time I hung out with your mother. Like, um, <laughs> um, I, I was sitting on that line. Sorry. Um, I, I, I thought that, um, I thought that he was. Um, I think he rattled Mitchell. Like I, I thought Mitchell tangibly after Deuce came in, before and after, he felt like something happened in that stretch, and he just did not look. Yeah, and nearly the same that, to me after. And I don't want to take away anything from Josh Hart because I thought he played even before that. I think Mitchell didn't get off to a great start, but you could see he had a he had a step back on Josh Hart that we've seen so many times create a ton of space late in the fourth, and I was like, oh. This is, you know, this is going to, he's going to make this. We've seen him hit those shots hundreds of times throughout his career and he bricked it. And, you know, I don't want to compare my experience playing in the park to Donovan Mitchell playing in the playoffs, but, um, you know, it's worth, like, you've probably been through this where like, if you're really playing a tough defender, you're having a tough time getting your shot off. When you finally get some space, sometimes you do get a little jittery and you're like, okay, I have to make this. Like, this is my shot. And those, so I think to your point, I do agree. Like it got him out of his element. And, uh, and Deuce hit his three. Credit to RJ, made the right kick. I think guys, I think that helps too when guys trust you uh, instead of forcing the shot. Um, and in like that last possession, someone else pointed this too, that, that possession that everyone's clipping, right, where he was in Mitchell's grill, fought through the screen, forced Mitchell into a crazy shot, which to his credit, he nearly hit. Deuce did a great job of avoiding the foul there too. He moved his hand away. Um, that's something he's developed over the course of this season too. Um, so, but it, it goes down and someone else said like, Deuce would probably be getting 15, 20 minutes on this Cavs team. I mean, they're throwing Ricky Rubio out there, Danny Green, like pretty sure he can get minutes over those guys. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think top to bottom, um, and, and they, they imposed, I mean, uh, they imposed their will and, you know, we came into this series, the Knicks kind of, the Knicks shooting has improved since Josh Hart got here or the shooting percentages. But the formula has always been low turnovers, high offensive rebounds. And in the first game, they had like reasonably, it was like they did fine on the turnovers. They killed them on the offensive glass. Second game, they didn't do either. They had turned the ball over a lot and gave up a lot of, uh, and, and didn't win the rebounding battle. Game three, they got back to it. Low turnovers, didn't dominate the glass. And yesterday, they did both. And, um, and I will say, like I, I, the last thing I'll note is 
it, to your point, it felt like really, you know, you, you said the early part of the third quarter. I really think that the offensive doldrums start up, started maybe midway through the second. Um, I think just Brunson started doing I, – I, so this is kind of what I'm getting towards, but the offense really got into a funk. That was the opportunity to really deliver. You know, in the NBA, there's no knockout punches in the second quarter these days, but with how defensive this series has been, going to halftime with a 16, 18-point lead would have been huge. Instead, the Cavs actually had it at single digits despite Mitchell having a half from hell, the Knicks having 11 offensive rebounds. The Knicks also, I think, only turned the ball over four times. Cavs turned the ball over nine times. All that and only a nine-point lead. The Knicks also missed free throws and stuff. And I think um, I think Brunson was in a funk for a good, from the middle of the second quarter to the, to the middle of the third. And his decision-making, I didn't like a lot of. Like, I think there were multiple opportunities with the traps where he wasn't getting the ball out. Um, and, you know, it's, um, it's very difficult to, um, you know, to keep that going. Um, I'm sorry, it, it, uh, it, it, it left a lot to be desired, and that was right when the Cavs started to make a run. So I actually didn't love Jalen Brunson's game yesterday. Um, but to his credit, um, you know, you look at the box score, finished with 29 points on 22 shots. Um, you know, he's averaging 24 for the series. He's been the best guard in this series. Um, and it hasn't really mattered. Um, so, you know, I think that, uh, it's, um, it, it said something that like, you know, it wasn't, it hasn't, he hasn't really had a, a nuclear Jalen Brunson game. Um, but he's, um, he's really just been killing it. Uh, or he's, he's been the best guard in the series and, you know, hit some huge shots. Um, you know, and, uh, so yeah, I mean, it was really all around good performance and, uh, and yeah, like going back to RJ. Um, so the, the point is that like, I thought Brunson had large stretches where I was not happy with his play and he still ended up with 29 an efficient 29 uh, and hit big shots and, you know, came up with some big defensive plays in the first half. Um, he's a really good player. Um, and then going back to RJ, I think that, um, you know, there were a couple of, th- like, the, the three-pointer does look better just to the eye for me. There are a couple of threes late in the fourth where it just rattled out. That could have been daggers. One of them, um, I believe it was Obi got the rebound, or it might have been, um, it, no, it was Hart. It was Josh Hart got that rebound, kicked it out to Brunson, and, and he finished it. But, uh, you know, I, I really wanted those shots for RJ, too, because it's a guy who's been, uh, you know, struggling with his jumper, and, and he really... Um, he 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 took good looks. There's really, I mean, if we get this RJ Barrett, you know, nobody is talking about that contract in any kind of way. Nobody's maligning him. He's not getting left left off of top hundred lists. Um, and um, and he's the perfect third guy. I mean, especially what with the defense and what he's able to provide. It's it's the exact third guy. And he's been the second guy this series because um, Julius Randall really hasn't showed up. And um, you know, so I think that. When you look at those things, um, you know, it, that's a scary thing. That I don't know what was up with um, Randall yesterday. I don't know if he's still going through the injury. But it was like it, it didn't even feel like a – it wasn't like the Hawk series where he, um, you know, he was really rattled by their defense or, you know, making bad decisions or forcing it or forcing bad shots. He just – Every time he get the got the ball, he would do that little two dribble sidestep pull up on Mobley, who knew it was coming. And I get it, you know, you don't want to force the action, um, but you know, it's he just played with no force, and he was he was completely invisible on defense. 
it was just it was very different from the type of um, type of game that you've normally seen from him, where it's a bad game. We've seen bad Randall games, but we've never seen him just completely be invisible like that, or it's rare. Um, so you know, Tib said you know a lot of guys wouldn't be playing, um, you know, and this would be a you know, and, and this is a quick turnaround. He's still hurt, can, or he's not. You know, he's coming back from the injury. He said his ankle's fine, so it's probably a question of conditioning. He just didn't have it yesterday. Um, but that opened the door up for Obi Toppin. And, you know, Obi Toppin stepped in. And, and I mentioned this on Twitter. You know, he had he made a three. Um, he had a couple. Of, he had that nice take. But he only scored five points. Five points on five shots. He's usually not what we see from Obi when he has a really good game. He's usually, you know, getting a lot of buckets. But it was really just, like, he won this game. He had a huge defensive rebound late. Um, he had a huge defensive rebound late. Um, um, so, you know, I think he did it and he got back in Tibbs' good races by doing some of the dirty work. Um, he was doing an excellent job on defense, very active, um, getting on the glass and, uh, and continue to help excel, um, accelerate the ball movement. And, you know, they're basically going to need Randall to step back up. But, um, you know, and they're, they're not going to win a whole lot more um, without him. But it's pretty impressive that they've been able to do this with him. I think was, this was the first game where I think Randall's offensive process was bad. Like, I think he generally made decent decisions, especially game one and game three. Um, forced a little bit game two, but he was, just, he was just absent yesterday. So I don't know what your thoughts are on Randall, but, like, do you think that was just conditioning issue, the short turnaround, or do you think he's just in his own head? Do you think it was a bad matchup for him? or? I think he's in his own head, and I look. I can. I think I said after game one. I don't, I don't remember what the hell he shot from the field. He shouldn't shoot well. He hasn't shot well in any game really. Um, but I said then, like, I don't care about the stats. Like, I don't, especially in this series. I think it's just an ugly series. You just need to battle through it. Um, I don't care about his shooting percentages right now. Like, I mean, I care. Obviously, I do care. But like, I'm. I don't think he can shoot poorly, and there are ways that he can influence the game. Yesterday, he. Was I don't know what the hell was going on with him, and he was invisible. Yeah, I, I know that people. You know, I know after the game, Tibbs made it a point, and other guys made it a point to be like, you know, he's not at one hundred percent. I think Tibbs said something like, you know, a lot of guys some, wouldn't be playing. Yeah. yeah, and that's cool, and that's really good that like they said that, and it's I guess you know, it's um, it, it's okay. Like I don't even know what to say about that, but like one I. I would say that I suspect that they're exaggerating that a little bit to cover for him. Um, and two, like, go watch the start of the game. The first two possessions Cleveland ran, they ran a pick and roll, and they put Julius in the action, and he was terrible on both of them. The second one, Mitch came over and, and kind of erased it. But, like, he was terrible. He didn't contest. He didn't have his hands up. He didn't know what the fuck he was doing. He wasn't he wasn't defending Mobley, and he also wasn't doing a good job of stopping Garland's penetration. They so even it put was, him on Okoro late. They put him yeah. on Okoro. The third, and he got blown and by first, the baseline. That first block that Hartenstein had, right, the spectacular yeah. block where he threw the outlet, that was – Randall got completely cooked. On Okoro, yeah. who is a non-shooter, and he just he just drove by him. The next very next possession, he did the same thing, and that time Hartenstein couldn't get over in time. Yeah. And um, and it was, it was just an embarrassment. But I do think that looks to me like – Physically, he's not there. He wasn't there. He's, he but but then he leg. but that but he has that block on Mitchell, which is like an incredible athletic play that he made. So I don't buy that. I'm sorry. Like, and the fact of the matter is, maybe Tibbs is right. 
and maybe they're they're all being 100% honest and you know Julius is moving heaven and earth just to be on the on the court but like then he's just hurting the team and he shouldn't play or like like it's just ridiculous to watch what he was doing yesterday i mean there was that possession where Mobley got the offensive rebound if you watch Julius he's just doing nothing on that play he's just standing around and there was a couple of, there was one play in defensive transition where he starts pointing at like somebody else as Garland's driving and he's the help defender there. He didn't make a rotation. He just watched. And and Garland ran a quick pick and roll in semi-transition. And Allen got a, a dunk. And it's like, I, I'm not saying like, you know, I'm not necessarily even expecting Julius to to stop Allen there because it was a really well-run pick and roll. But he's got to rotate. He's got to make the rotations. He's not doing that. He's not. He didn't do anything yesterday. It was really absurd to watch. He had two rebounds in 27 minutes. I mean... I don't know what to say about that. Meanwhile, you've got Opie Toppin. He, he had eight rebounds yesterday. He had five on the offensive glass. He had more defensive rebounds. and Like, he had more offensive rebounds than Julius had total rebounds yesterday. That's an embarrassment. Push, yeah. Know, that, that, half, half the minutes? A little more yeah, than half. He played 20 minutes last night. That's probably the most he's played in a playoff game. But, like, it's just ridiculous. It was ridiculous to watch that. And, you know, like, this is – so, like, you know, you watched that game yesterday. And I, I forgot who I was talking to about this. But I was like – like – did quickly play particularly well yesterday. Offensively, not so much. And I, I think he missed some shots in the beginning, and he just decided that, like... He also, he had, a, he had some good looks that didn't go down, well, yeah, too. Like, he yeah, had yeah. a couple he of just, floaters were decent shots. He right, had and, and, and yeah, and he just he just didn't... He kind of wasn't assertive when he came back in, in the second half offensively. But if you go, again, watching back that game, like, his defense yesterday, he totally changed... Garland was cooking, absolutely cooking, especially at the start of the third quarter. And... Once quickly came in, all that shit stopped. All of that, you know, all these mid-range pull-ups and back cuts and all that shit, it stopped immediately. And you watch him on these possessions. As soon as, you know, if the Knicks made a shot, he's like pressing Garland the entire way up the floor. He's not even letting him get a clean inbounds pass. So somebody else has to bring the ball up. And that shit is just disruptive. And it helps you, again, it helps you win the margins. And so, like, my point isn't like, oh, quickly play this amazing game. But quickly was a plus 11 yesterday. I don't actually think that's like some fluky thing. Like he's he the highest plus minus for the series, a plus 41 for the series. Yeah. So and that's what that disaster of game too. Yeah, so. and it's not it's not like I'm I don't think he's actually played great in this series at all. But that's kind of the point is like you there are ways to impact winning and Tib says this all the time, you don't need to shoot well or to score well to play well. And you see that quickly and then and then to see that and juxtapose it to whatever the fuck Randall was doing out there last night. I mean, honestly, a little bit as a fan, like it's a little bit like insulting. I'm like, I, I just don't understand what that was. He's just not competing. And it's like, you know, I, I can deal with missing shots and, you know, bad turnovers and whatever, as long as there's like real effort being put in. And it just wasn't there at all with and, him and yesterday. You, can, you saw it too, because a couple of the positions, so Julius Randle had three, three. Um, he scored three times. He had three field goals. Two of them, I remember, were in the second half after timeouts. Tibbs yep. specifically called plays to get Randle involved in screen action, and and Randle got got to his spots about ten feet away. One of them was a really tough, you know, to your point, an athletic play he made. Fadeaway Mobley, which is a tough shot, but it's also a shot like the difference between Randle at ten feet versus Randle at twenty feet is. Huge. It is it is massive. Um he, know, he knows who he is in the mid post. Yeah, exactly. Um but so like so that's the thing. Like I was like, why aren't they getting Julius involved in screen action? But Tibbs specifically went to those things 
And I think that was a wake up. This is what you need to do. Then Randall just couldn't be bothered to, or he, he wasn't doing it the rest of the game. You can maybe, you can say that, you know, Brunson for large stretches of this game, I think didn't do a good job of getting people involved. I think there were multiple possessions. Brunson just ate away an entire shot clock. Um, that was very frustrating to watch, but, but it's on Randall too, to play with like Obi finds a way to get involved. Hartenstein finds a way to set a screener to be useful. Um, even though like, yeah, like the shot hasn't, he's not the stretch five that some people thought he might be when he hit some threes last year, but the, the, you have to, and, and Randall, when he has good games, finds ways to get involved. He doesn't just stand and watch and uh, he just played, there was zero force from Randall yesterday. And yeah, um, I, the thing is like, that is so outlier though, from the kind of bad games I've seen from him in the past. That's why I do think like something was up. So I, to, like maybe something's up, but the Knicks are up three, one, and you can, quite reasonably say that Randall's been their worst player in this series. Um, and that's one, that's awesome that like the Knicks are good enough to, to be capable of that, but it's also very concerning. And it's like, look, if they win this series without Randall playing well, that would be amazing. But like, look, it, 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 this question is going to exist, but like at some point he needs to have a good playoff game. Like, he hasn't had a good playoff game. And I know the sample size isn't exactly huge here. But, you know, we saw him shit his pants for five games against Atlanta. Yeah, and I don't, good half in game one. Like, I thought yeah. he played really, that's it. Yeah, and, and, and I don't think, like, this has not been Atlanta-level bad. I mean, yesterday was, but, like, the, the previous three games, you know, wasn't that. Like, He's he wasn't making the team. Yesterday, yeah. I think he kind of, like, he hurt the team a lot. Oh, I mean, the third quarter, he absolutely destroyed the team. I mean, he was terrible in that, in that stretch. Um, but like, at some point, like if he doesn't shoot well in the playoffs, then we need to just have a different conversation. And it's a huge limiting factor on this team. And like, you compare that. And this is why, like, you know, look, this is not to take away anything from what Julius did in the regular season, because he was immense. I mean, he was great in the regular season for us, but like, this is why I just hate the conversation that occurs when like. Randall has a huge game and there'll be people like, Oh, like you guys wanted to start Obi over this guy. And it's like, I mean, it's not a one for one thing. Like that, that's just not how basketball works. And you see yesterday, like, you know, I think we've all talked about this, right? Play hard at the four, hard at the four. Yeah, like, and, and some of that is like, yeah, you get these downhill opportunities potentially right. Four on three, his ability to get, but like with Obi on the floor, you can still do that. And we saw that yesterday. And like, I just, I, I don't know. Like, I know that Randall shot pretty well from three this year, right? But, like, do, does anybody really feel like the spacing is as good? Like, I, I think there's just a natural spacing that comes with when you play Obi, even when he's not a particularly great shooter, because he's just always active off the ball in a way that Randall isn't. And that's, like, not even a criticism of Randall, just a reality. Like, he's not a great active cutter. You know, he's just not doing a lot off ball. And that's fine, but like on nights or games and stretches where he can't make a shot, it's a killer. And if this is a long-term playoff thing where he just gets the yips, I mean, it's something they have to really think about this offseason whenever that, you know, hopefully that doesn't happen for another couple weeks here, but like, maybe, well, hopefully it doesn't happen until June. Um, But like, but you know, it's just, I'm sorry. Like, I can't deny that. I mean, we talked, I talked about this leading into the playoffs. I talked about this during that last stretch of five games that we had where we, he didn't play where it was like, you know, 
you just get glimpses of like what this team would be in a non Julius world where Obi is the power forward. And like, you know, I do think this matchup is good for Obi because Mobley is not some physical monster that can like muscle him. Um, yeah, it won't. I mean, Giannis is going to be a lot. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not to look ahead, but assuming that and looking ahead in both series, by the way, um, assuming that they face someone like that. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. And, and so I get that, but like, there is something to the, I would say like the, the spacing, the pace, the movement offensively when Obi is in versus Randall. And I think it gets more out of like Brunson. I think it gets more out of heart. I think it just opens up the floor for guys in different ways than, than it is when, when Randall's in the game. And like, I forgot who said it before the season even started, but there's just like a different feel and there's a different pace. I mean, they talked, we played Cleveland that last game of the regular season after the game, Donovan Mitchell talked about it. He was like, when Obi's in, like there's a different, speed they play with and it's not like you know the knicks were running up and down the well, floor he, yesterday somebody said i think when randall's not in yeah right and 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 so like it's not like the knicks were sprinting up and down the floor yesterday but it did feel different and it has felt different this entire series and like i don't know what that says and i i i'm not i still like i i think ultimately whenever the season does end probably need to sit on it for a week and really think about like everything in totality but for people that have been skeptical of Julius throughout the season, and it's like, we'll see in the playoffs, we'll see in the playoffs. I mean, I said that kind of like about him and Tibbs was like, yeah, we'll see in the playoffs. I, I want to see. And Tibbs, to his credit, I think has shown a lot. I think he's shown that like some of the stuff that he was doing in the regular season isn't just some like, it's not like he's abandoning everything, you know, that he did. He's, he's not. But with Randall, I mean, I can't, I can't lie. Like it is very concerning to see it. And yeah, I agree. Like his process, the first three games was better, but like at some point you need to fucking make shots. Like if he's, if you're going to be this high usage primary guy on the team and be the, you know, a focal point offensively, I can't have four fucking games of bullshit offensively. You know, like I need to see more than that. And um, like he, like fortunately Brunson obviously has really gotten cooking, but RJ has stepped up at the perfect time. Um, which is kind of offset it and, and really glossed over some of Randall's struggles. But like, you know, I, I thought I saw people really go. I thought people were going a little bit too overboard after the game on Friday where it was like, you know, look, it was a gr fucking fantastic win. Don't get me wrong. But like, it felt like people were like, oh, well, Randall's defense was still really good and blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, it, look, it was fine. But he, I mean, he, he was, there was still plenty of Randall plays there where he's like jogging back in transition or he's not locked in and picking rolls. And it's like, like we need to really like, again, I can deal with shooting bad, but I need the rest of it then. And the rest of it hasn't really been as consistent as I think some of the credit that he's gotten, especially after that game three uh, would indicate. Like, I, I think he's dropped off defensively as the series has gone on. And that's a little bit concerning to me. So maybe it's the ankle and, and maybe I'm just, you know, I, I'm rushing to uh, be too critical of the guy, but like, I again, I, I can only be honest about how I feel. And watching how he played last game or yesterday, and even the game on Friday, which we, we probably need to talk about that a little bit more because uh, that was fucking awesome. But like watching that, it, I, I do, I, I do get concerned, and I do really my your wine starts to wander, right? And it's like, well, do the Knicks have? Do, do they maybe ultimately need to make a bigger move with him this off season? Um, I don't I mean, know. I, 
I would imagine. So the thing is this, right? Like we were talking about this in the Discord. I think it was, I mean, I'm not trying to call it Tyrese. I think it's a fair point, but. but no, we can call it Tyrese. Fuck Tyrese. <laughs> Tyrese made the point in our Discord that, you know, after he's been through all of this, they're not just going to turn around and trade him, right? After he's bounced back. Why? And I was like, but, but here's the thing, right? Last summer, the logic was you can't just, there's no point in dumping him when his value is at his lowest. Like you can't really have it both ways. I don't think both, I mean, I get that both can be true, but um, it seems to be a little bit of a, um, a very, uh, it seems to be a little bit of, you know, uh, circular or not circular. It, it does seem to be a little bit, okay, so we just can't trade him ever. Um, I would imagine like any good front office um, and this from all, um, everything we can see from all evidence points to this being a very competent front office that does things like due diligence. I would have to imagine, and they, you know, they're also good about leaks or, or tightening up leaks. I would have to imagine they will at least gauge the trade value through back channels, through whatever it is. What is it, right? Is it, if it's just like a first, then like Harrison Barnes or something, they're not going to do that. If you can get a real package for him and you have confidence that, you know, maybe that Mavs pick, well, you're not replacing Julius Randle with the Mavs pick, but maybe you feel like, you know, it, it probably, you'd have to, you'd have to obviously get Brunson on board. You wouldn't be happy if you said, you know, we just made the, uh, maybe the second round of playoffs, maybe more. And you got rid of my, you know, I, I think that Brunson is the best player on this team. I think a lot of people say Randall. Um, I've, I've said that for a long time. I, I think Brunson has made Randall a much better player than the reverse. Um, but, um, but I think they'll gauge that. And just, we should, this, this is a happy day to your point. So we shouldn't belabor the land Randall point. But the last thing I'll say is that, you know, I, I will say this, that I think that the Knicks play have tried to play faster. The game seems to bog down when you have all three of Randall, Brunson, and RJ out there. Uh, when you have two, um, like when those two are Brunson and RJ, it's a little bit better. And when Randall plays with Quickly and Hart and the bench, he also seems to play faster. Um, and I, I do think that in terms of spacing, like when he was, he took seven threes and he was three for seven, three in game two, I think. Like Mobley was giving him those shots. And um, and now like and now he's been playing him a little bit tighter, and Randall hasn't capitalized on it because he keeps taking those. He took so many of those sidestep threes. I felt like every time he got the ball yesterday, that was just I don't. He just didn't feel like playing it. It's like it's like sometimes when you're at a park, like someone wants to just practice their jumper or something, and they just take like just wasn't reading the floor at all. Um, but I will say that like that does matter. Like a guy that big who can pick the if we play the Bucks next series and it pulls Giannis out of the paint, that's not an insignificant thing when you have runs it. Is it um, gonna pull Giannis out of the paint though? Like this is it's where we're pulling at. Right? Out of the paint, but it, it is. But like at some point a team is just gonna be like, well And that's what the Cavs were doing, and, and yeah, Randall can hit those though. It's not a shot I think Cleveland loves to live with. Um but uh, but to, to that point, like I think he, like his ability as a shooter at that size, and it's it's not just that he can shoot at that size; he doesn't have that Jared Jackson set shot. Right, he has a very high release. It's like nobody really blocks his shot. So I do think I would pump the like I I would not be willing to say like I think it's a little bit more complex why they can play fast. But I do think it proves that like everyone was like, well, Jalen Brunson wants to slow the ball down and ISO, and that's a Tibbs thing. It showed in that stretch that that's not 100% the case. I also don't think it's the case that Randall wants to slow the game down. I think he likes to get in transition too and grab and go. And he's shown flashes of that in this series. 
Um, but um, but I think it's a little more complex than that. But to your point, like, you know, is Randall the ideal number two if Jalen Brunson's your number one? Um, you know, like if someone like I don't think the Clippers would do this, but if if there is a package with Randall as a centerpiece that you can get someone like Kawhi Leonard for, these are the kinds of things. That's the that's basically what the cat the the, the Raptors did, right? Um, I think they will gauge the the trade value. I do want to get before we talk about game three. I do want to talk about Deuce a little bit. Um, he was awesome. Know. I just want to say he was like phenomenal. like you mentioned it, but I don't know if you can be as impactful as he was. And like you're not supposed to be as impactful as he was in five minutes. I thought again, like I don't. I really feel like his minutes took Mitchell out of like you like I, Hart played really good defense. So this is you know this it's not really a knock on him at all. I just thought like. Sometimes having like this is the best thing about this roster, right? It's like you can throw different looks at guys, so different defenders. Sometimes like you get Mitchell's like been defended, like he's been faced up on Hart, right? And Grimes. And I think those guys are a little bit more physical because they're bigger than him, so they can like get into his body. It's a different thing. And then you have Deuce come in all of a sudden, and Deuce isn't like necessarily gonna push Mitchell off his spot or something, but he just sticks to you like Velcro. I mean, he he's just so good at mirroring guys. And I mean, that one drive where he tried to like pivot and put it up around him and Deuce was just like, nope, my arms are very long. Uh, and then there was that other drive, which was fucking hilarious, where he like, he, he went, he, Mitchell went strong to the hole and he was like, ele- he was about to elevate. And then he realized it was Mitch and yeah. not Hartenstein. And so then he tried to like go around him and Mitch was like, nope, block that shit. Um, yeah, that was, yeah, Hart was, I mean, look, we didn't even talk about it, but Deuce was awesome, and you should definitely talk about that. And Mitch was, look, he's been the best big guy in this series. That's the, like, I can't say anything. There's nothing else to say. Like, he, you know, people are talking about the Cavs have four all-stars, the Cavs have four all-stars. One, I never understood that because Mobley hasn't made a fucking all-star team yet. <laughs> and then, two, like, Jared Allen is, he got the D-Lo all-star. Like, uh, you're, an injury, all-star yeah, yeah, like, you're, you're an injury replacement all-star. Like, he's a good player, don't get me wrong, but it's kind of ridiculous to be, labeling him as some kind of like perennial all-star type dude and mitch has dominated him i mean he he has completely dominated allen in the series and before the series people were like they're not even close like people in cleveland really think mitchell robinson is some scrub like around the nba and and, are- and offensively just just real quick before you continue um i just want to say this because mitch's offense the first few games was rough really picked up the last couple of games it looks like he's catching the ball cleaner again, which is nice to see. And then obviously the finishing has been better and it helps. It always helps when Mitch can randomly uh, knock in some free throws. Two for three from free throw. That's like Steph Curry numbers for him. Basically Jerry West. (laughs) Um, I think there was a point when the Knicks were just shooting awful from the free throw line in the first half. I think him and Brunson were the only two that hadn't missed a free throw. The guys who had taken it. So um, tied Jalen Brunson for the, the, no, I, mean, I don't know how many offensive rebounds he had yesterday. And I think that Hardenstein helps there because people have asked, you know, well, if Mitch is so good, why is Hardenstein closing? I think free throw shooting is a big part of that. Um, but he was um, it's seven offensive rebounds yesterday, um, which doesn't even feel like that insane. Uh, double-double with two blocks. Um, so, like, um, I, I think Mitch was, was awesome. But getting back to Deuce, I did want to – so I'm not – I understand why Deuce didn't come back in the second half. Um, Hart was – you know, Hart is a much better option against those traps. Deuce is still figuring out kind of ball handling. I will say to your point on spacing and, and those kind of things. Um, one, I, I have said this a lot. I buy the shot from Deuce McBride with enough attempts. 
Uh, I think it's tough to like shoot a high percentage when you're getting one attempt a game, uh, if that, and, and go games without playing. I do think that's a real thing. Um, but, you know, like he has great chemistry with Hardenstein, really on both ends, but especially on offense, like he's great at cutting, um, finding space. He is a really good off-ball player. Um, but I, I get why, you know, in the second half, you needed stronger ball handlers. RJ was the best player on the floor last, yesterday. I don't think that's controversial to say. Um, and, you know, and Hart, there's a reason Tibbs trusts him, you know. So I get why. You thought you thought RJ was better than Brunson? I'm just curious. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with that. I'm just curious. Yeah, one, I like I said, I didn't love Brunson's process. And you can make the argument that RJ got a lot of open looks and angles because of Brunson, but I also thought he was better on defense. Um, he made an impact yeah. on the glass. RJ had a huge defensive rebound in the second half where uh, he actually got hit in the head. Uh, he only had two rebounds all game. He actually got hit in the head by Mobley, but that was like a, it was a really good rebound. I, and, I would, it was a, and it was a different, like, you know, I shit on Randall for only getting two rebounds. I didn't think RJ had a bad rebounding game. He just, the ball didn't fall to him, but he wasn't giving up offensive rebounds. You know, he wasn't like not boxing on his man. He, and again, was, these are things that yeah. we've criticized him for in the past. And he, he did everything we've asked of him. You want to make the case for Brunson, he had some big time shots. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm probably grading Brunson on a pretty tough curve. And he's tasked against running an offense. Like, so I get all those things. Um, but, um, but I think, you, it, like, if he wasn't the best player on on the floor, it was close to with Brunson. I get why Deuce didn't play, but at the same time, there's a reason why guys aren't that impactful for five minutes because they usually get more than five minutes if they play that impactfully. Do you think, regardless of Quinn Grimes's health, do you think Deuce has made the case for more minutes? And do you think we might see that play out? Um, I genuinely am not sure. Uh. It's like it's really tough for a coach. I think like I know that Deuce has shot better from three over like the last couple of months. I think he was at like forty percent. So I do understand why maybe the offensive limitations of him are exaggerated a little bit right now. At the same time, like he's still sometimes shaky with the ball, and if his defense isn't, if he has a bat, if he has an off defensive game. It, you can't bank on him being able to offset that on the other end of the floor. And ultimately like the Knicks have found a good rotation. They have found or not like that. It's set in, in every which way, but like I think Tibbs has his nine guys that he trusts. And I do think deuce is like on the verge of being trustworthy for him, but that's probably something for next season. I do feel like he's really good tactical option in this series specifically like he's really really good for this matchup because their offense is so guard heavy right like they they brunson or no, sorry brunson um garland and mitchell and even levert right levert yeah, is he right plays and, three, but he's really a, a shooting guard right and those guys have to create everything for them so like having him and and what he brings to the table is really really useful but like i it's one of those things where it's like if the thing that we are considering, like, and maybe a little bit, I'm not saying you are, but like, if there are people that are like, why the fuck isn't Tips playing Deuce more? We're probably in a pretty good place. Um, yeah. And I, and I think that to, to pour a little cold water, there is probably something we said that, like, I don't think Deuce McBride was at the top of Cleveland's scouting report. Mm. And, you know, a guy like Mitchell, if Mitchell got a full series worth of reps against Deuce, one, he'd probably be fucking exhausted. But two, he'd probably figure some things out, right? Like a little bit was just, you know, like guy comes off the bench, you haven't seen him before. Um, but I, I think... But, but, but to, to that to that point, though, Deuce has played very well against Cleveland defensively, at least every single time that we've 
used him in those games. Like, and that, that, I mean, that goes back to December 4th, right? When we made the rotation change, the first game was against Cleveland. He was really good in that game. And we know, I mean, the numbers bear this out. His defensive impact is real. Um, I, I like, he's really good off ball too, by the way. He's, this isn't, he's not an on ball specialist. Like he can play off ball too. It's just, yeah, he's, so he's not like a point of attack. Like, yeah, he, he's not like a, I mean, there are very few, I, honestly, I, I, I I think it's like, like Pat Beverly's to me that what comes to mind, right? Yeah, like, like an on-ball menace, off-ball impact is a little bit. Yeah, I, it's it's funny because like I just watching quickly, like on the re- rewatch I, I did today this morning, like his off-ball defense is absolutely right. fucking insane. Like some of the rotations he makes are, I don't get it like i don't understand how you do all of the things he does i mean there was that clip of that play from game three right yeah where where he like like no it was in game three i think where where mobley comes down in transition and quickly picks him up because randall's still like jogging back and randall comes over and for some reason doesn't raise his hands at all so mobley has this easy pass to the cross-court corner and then quickly makes that rotation to contest the shot and it's like his the ground he covers is ridiculous. And it's why, like, yeah, like, does he need to play better offensively? Sure. But there's a reason why um, there's uh, there, there's a re- like, there's a reason why the Knicks keep winning his minutes and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's what he does defensively. So um, that's a pretty, I mean, he, he was really good. Hart was awesome. I mean, his fourth quarter yesterday, I hated how he closed the first half, to be honest. I thought he well, was... Well, because you, you mentioned this, right? But he yeah. kept whining for calls when it's like, no, dude, you're doing the same move every time yeah. in transition. Yeah, maybe it is a foul, but at some point, if they're not going to call it, they're not going to call it. So And they're not going to call it, and they're calling it differently in the playoffs. I thought it was better officiated. <laughs> when the Knicks win, I like the officiating better. <laughs> it's fair to say that. But I thought they called it reasonably even on both sides. Um, yeah. I do think, but yeah, like he does that same move, which is very effective. Even in the second half, he got one of those to go on Mobley. But, um, but yeah, like other than that, you know, he, he came up huge when it, uh, I mean, he had two huge offensive rebounds in the fourth quarter. I think we cashed in on both of them. Um, yeah, what, can was... I just, can I, sorry, one other thing. It's funny because I went on this Kentucky pod before the series and you probably remember this game when Michigan lost to Kentucky. Oh, God. Elite eight and yeah, the, the uh, one the time Her- Julius Randle hit a huge shot in an elimination game. Well, so there's the Harrison twin who hit yeah. uh, that one over Karis Levert, and I was like, oh yeah, and I was like, well, Julius Randle was on that Kentucky team, and uh, you know it'll make up for it if if Brunson can hit one like that over Karis Levert. That last three, Karis Levert's closing out that long, <laughs> longest arms, yeah, and Brunson hit it, so it's a little bit. It is that was cathartic for me. Uh, yeah, I, I. It's just like man when. One, the biggest things I took away from yesterday's game, the Mitch thing, I mean, he was fantastic. And Hartenstein, dude, that guy, the 180 his season has done is just something else. He, he's, I mean, he, he's he was awesome. definitely hurt early in the season. Yeah. I mean, that block I mean, he had an Okoro, like he, oh, the God. lift is there, you know? Like. Yeah, and, and he he was just really good all around. And, you know, again, to Tibbs's credit, like they midway through the fourth quarter, they kind of like, um, they started running these pick and rolls to put, uh, Hartenstein in the action and get Allen closer to the rim. And they cashed in, I think on like two straight shots and he immediately put Mitch back in and that ended right there. And like, this is like, you know, that's, that's kind of like the quick, quick thinking on your feet that you need in a playoff series. And, and Tibbs was able to do that, but like, yeah. So I mean the centers 48 minutes of getting of Mitch and Hartenstein right now is fucking awesome. And the other thing um, I thought like Brunson was Brunson did what Brunson does. 
But like you can see, like this is why RJ's season has been so frustrating, right? Because you're like, you like, given everything else this team has going for it right now, if you just get your shit together, like it changes really like drastically, I think, what this team is capable of. And you see that these last two games, right? And it's not just the scoring, right? It's the defense. It's the fact that like he's just a fucking big dude. Like he's six six. Like he's 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 a true wing on a team that really has like one other than him. I think Hart. Like I I know Grimes is a wing, but Grimes is like he's not the same size. Like he doesn't six, have the same five. Yeah, he's strong yeah. and he could play up. But and uh, and the, the there's one thing I wanted to mention about RJ. I'll let you finish, but. He had maybe the best pass of his career to quick quickly didn't make three, but he said, Oh, yeah, that was a really good open, pass. Like, he well, he's it wasn't just that he hit and it was a nice seal by Hartenstein on that, too. It's a nice seal, but he also he manipulated the defender with his eyes, right? Yeah, that is a that is a very advanced play. Um, his passing was just awesome. That's another thing on Hartenstein. Hartenstein was doing a really good job of, of walling off the closeouts. He mm-hmm. got called for an illegal screen actually late. I think, yeah, that wasn't an illegal screen, that was a horrible call. And RJ actually hit that three, yeah. Um, but um, but that's yeah. So that that pass was just eye opening, and and it shows that RJ really he has the potential to be this guy pretty consistently. Yeah, and I mean the biggest thing is I felt like the first two games, yeah, he was driving, but it felt like everything was like very finessey, and he's trying to get cute. And like I know he made a few like he hit that fadeaway on the baseline yesterday. He had another, <laughs> he had a, he, he made a couple of mid range shots that I'm sure like if I was a Cavs fan I'd have been like. You got to be fucking kidding me! Like, like this guy hasn't made a mid range shot all year, and I was making two, uh, and then he made a floater at the end. But like his takes right now, the the last two games, he's going to the rim stronger, and he's especially going right. Like they're yeah. giving him the right, and he's, he's he's okay. I'll take it. You know. Yeah, he's just playing more decisively, but he's not. It's not just like like to your point. One of his issues, I I know this was like a thing that a lot of draft aficionados uh, felt about him coming into the league was like. Yeah, he gets assists, but like a lot of it is predetermined decisions. And to your point, like the what made that pass to quickly so impressive is like it wasn't predetermined. That was him, like you mentioned, manipulating the defense to create the shot for quick. And it's like he he's just playing these last two games. It's like I don't know what the what what happened. Maybe he ate his Wheaties or something. But like he's like the Neo way, when he realizes he's the yeah, one. It's like, oh, like I get it now. But yeah, like he's just it feels like he's playing under control whilst while being aggressive and he's just really, really working well right now. So, I mean, I'm thrilled that he's, you know, these last few games, especially has really allayed my concerns that I had coming into this series about um, how he'd perform. And man, if, if, you know, hopefully they can close this out on Wednesday in game five, but if he just, plays at this level it, it really changes i think forgetting even whatever the ultimate outcome is of this series and then the next playoff you know a run but like it changes i think what your feelings are in terms of whatever you want to do this offseason to continue to you know improve the team um because like this is kind of why i just have never been particularly enamored with the idea of like trading him for an OG and an OB because a guy like OG and an OB is just like, you see this in the playoffs, right? Like defenses automatically become better because teams are locked in. They're shortening rotations. You have very, very detailed and specific scouting reports. You see the same opponent over and over and over again, like defenses naturally become better. And so to me, the value of like 
a basic three and D guy. Yeah, granted, OG Ananobi's defense is pretty awesome, but like he does nothing for you offensively. You need shot creation. Like shot creation is the premium skill in in basketball, but especially in the postseason. And like Tim, I've just I'm never never have been interested in trading RJ um, for a guy who I feel is a limited shot creator. Like I know I, I said like a few pods ago or whatever the fuck it was that like, I would probably trade him for JD McDaniels, but that's because I think JD McDaniels is actually a capable shot creator in a, in a capacity. And I think he's going to continue to grow, but like OG and an OB no, like fucking, you know, these basic ass dudes that people talk about. Like, I know Mikel Bridges is doing wonderful things in Brooklyn during their sweep. Um, but like, I'm sorry, like a guy that just has to live in the mid range because he can't get to the rim and doesn't create a bunch of fucking free throws for himself and doesn't create, doesn't have the passing upside that RJ has. These guys just don't, they're not important to me. They're not guys that I think you should be considering trading RJ Barrett for. That to me is about your valuing securing your floor over searching for higher upside and and pushing your ceiling and like ultimately we'll see what happens with rj um in terms of like how his career progresses but like there's still upside there I, I, all-star i don't know but like it doesn't really matter like if you have a guy that can have games like this in the playoffs that's really important and you need to value those guys um really like they're the most valuable contributors you can possibly have right in in when you're looking and talking about building a contender is like can you be a 20 point per game guy in the playoffs can we run offense through you and get you looks in a fourth quarter of a key game and like there's gonna be more tests you know cleveland's obviously a fantastic defensive team but there'll be you know different teams challenge you in different ways so if the knicks win this series and they they play fucking milwaukee or something in round two I think we'll see like, you know, maybe he'll he'll struggle initially and maybe he'll figure it out. And like maybe that's just really what it was for him in the series. Like struggle the first few games and now he's kind of like ironed out what need what he needs to do and he's doing it. And like it's it's great to see. And you know, look, for all the people that that have supported him this entire way and then and have, you know, have been pushed back pushed back on criticism. Look, I stand by the the my criticism of him, but like I'm happy for those people especially because one of the best things is when you like keep faith in a player and then you get rewarded for it and i'm sure that the the uh rj hive is on cloud nine and it should be i mean that's the best part about being a fan so he's been awesome and he deserves all the credit that he's getting today and assuredly will get if the knicks win this this series yeah um and in a, like you said it changed that is what we've talked about right like a wing like that a star wing is what and I, I don't even know if he has to be a star when you have a player who draws so much attention on offense like Jalen Brunson. But I, I'll, I'll say this. like I, He has I them kinda, so shook. Brunson has them so fucking shook right now. It's hilarious. Yeah. He's shooting 28% from three. <laughs> from three. And most, like, he's not even... This is not peak Brunson at all. Yeah. And um, <laughs> some Cav tweeted, let's not act like Jalen Brunson has been good outside of this game. Then what the hell have Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland been on all series? It's amazing to me, like the Knicks, like when the Knicks win or the Knicks are good, somehow, despite like even when they're good, actually none of their players are are, are very good. Like like Jalen Brunson's actually not that good. RJ Barrett's a scrub. And Mitchell Robinson. Just, we'll just fucking like Matt Moore. I know like a lot of people might have a problem with him. He follows me like you know I follow him whatever. Like he's he just just like. Well, the Knicks were worse by every metric. 
in the regular season, offense, defense, net rating, record against good teams. Multiple of those things are false lies. Yeah, the they Knicks were, have been better against offense. playoff teams than, they've been than better the against, Cavs. Uh, they've been better against above 500 teams. I didn't look up playoffs specifically, but I, I believe you there. Including 3-1 to one against the Cavs. Yeah. They had the third best. Like, we're just going to leave that out. They had, the, they had a much better offense than Cleveland. And you can, well, then, and he responded, he was like, oh, well, the offense hasn't been good this series. I would disagree. If you really like Cleveland's defense as much, I would say that the, the Knicks' offense has been really good. They missed open threes. But, um, you know, besides game two, I think the Knicks have played well on offense. And, um, and yeah, they've showed that they're up for this. And they have depth, which, which nobody wants to quantify. But I'll, I'll tell you this, too. Um, you know, people, people want to say, well, you know, Jalen Brunson's not that good. You know, if, if he was wearing a different jersey, I, like when you saw that yesterday, somebody quote tweeted Michael Pena, right? He gave like a C to to the Knicks for for signing Brunson. The year before, he was gushing about Brunson, right? Like this kid is special and all of that. So the, the uniform changes. Not say this, like if the if the Knicks were wearing a different uniform, and they're up three one on this Cavs team that was the second best team in net rating all season. I think you would be talking. People would be talking much different. They are talking about this like it's a great story. They're still not a real contender. I don't. Maybe that's a, that's an accurate thing. But I will like, say there are other the teams that get a lot more hype. And and also like, why is that the standard? The Knicks weren't supposed to be a contender this year. They're clearly punching above their weight. They were not the like the Cavs were the favorite coming into this series. And like we can all like we all as Knicks fans were like I I thought this was the best matchup for the Knicks. And it's funny like <laughs> what I said before the series was like if Randall is healthy, I like the Knicks in six. And if Randall's not healthy, I think they lose in six. Funny enough, he's been healthy, and I think apparently I wish he wasn't healthy or something. Like, I don't know what's going on with him, but he's not even been good. And the Knicks have, they're up 3-1. Like, they clearly are a better team than people want to give them credit for. And if the criticism and, like, the pushback on it is like, well, you're not a contender, and why are you so happy? Oh, the Knicks are, oh, you guys, maybe you're going to win a first-round series. Congratulations. Like, what are we supposed to do? Be fucking miserable about it? No, this season, look, this team is fun. The Knicks have a bunch of young guys that they've drafted, that they've developed, that they've kept, that they've been patient with through ups and downs. You know, R.J. Barrett this season, we've talked about it. Mitchell Robinson last year was a huge up-and-down thing for him, and he's bounced back, and he's been incredible this year. Um even like Hardest guys like, started the season awful. Yeah. You know. Julius Randle, right? Like he had a disaster season last year. He was really fucking good this year. Emmanuel quickly really poor start to last season and a, a poor shooting start to this season. And he's bounced back each time and it's closed season strong. And hopefully he gets it going offensively. Jalen Brunson, obviously he's just been a rock for the Knicks since day one, but like you at Grimes, right? Grimes had shooting struggles in this season, middle of the season, whatever. And he's bounced back. Like they, they've really, taken their time and they've been patient with guys and they're getting rewarded for it now. And it's like, and, and I think that to that point also, I think mental toughness is a hallmark for this team. They've won um, two of these games by when in the fourth quarter and games that were close, um, they blew the game open in game three. This is mentally a very tough team. And it's, it's one reason why, you know, RJ Barrett has been, he's been prepping for this his whole life. Steve Nash, godson, dad was a pro player. Um, that is one reason they've liked him and why a lot of people still believe in him is that he has the mental makeup to get through this, even if, if they, they have these kind of struggles. And that's really everyone on this team. And I, I don't think that's a coincidence at all. And, and I think Tibbs loves that about them. And it's probably influenced that too. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they've, we've seen it all year, right? Like that Dallas game that they lost. I remember after that game for like two days, I was like, this is the worst <laughs> experience of my life. And like, 
they bounce back from that. They come like they they won eight in a row and then they lose five in a row and they bounce back from that. Like they, you know, they lost they had that stretch at the end of the season, right? Where they lose to Minnesota and when they lost to uh you know the Sacramento. Yeah, and they they lose to Sacramento and then you like you lose to the Clipper. Like they they bounce back, they find ways to win games, and it's like every time that they've hit a little bump in the road, they found a way to get better. And um, it speaks to like, again, everything with the organization in terms of like the front office, the coaching staff, the, the players. I mean, we heard about this. Tibbs too. Tibbs is yeah, yeah, the, yeah, 100%. Tibbs deserves a ton of credit. And like, you know, we talked, we heard about this all off season, right? Like, oh, the, they're not aligned. There's, there's no vision. They're, they're not aligned. I don't think you could argue that they're not aligned anymore at all. Like they, this is as aligned as you could possibly be, you know, and maybe that had to come with like, it really does feel like that. And we talked about this at the meetup. I don't know if you were there by that time, but like when they started off the year 10 and 13 and it felt like there was a little give and take on both ends, right? It was like, okay, the front office takes the L on the cam reddish thing. And Tibbs has to take Tibbs has to not play his favorite son in Derek Rose. And, put Evan Fournier in the bench and you know, he's got to play quickly more. He's got to play deuce in the rotation. Grimes has to start. Like, it feels like there really was some kind of like conversation internally and they came to some hard decisions and those decisions have paid off and they deserve a ton of credit for that because I'll tell you what, at 10 and 13 with how Donovan Mitchell started the season. And obviously the fact that Knicks did not get him, there were people that were, I mean, I think they were very much in a precarious spot potentially, and they were going to get a lot of criticism. So again, like I'm not counting the Cavs out here because Donovan Mitchell is capable of just going nuclear for a few games. Um, we saw that in the bubble for sure. We've seen that in a multiple playoff series with him. Now, but like, point, if the Knicks lose this series in seven, nobody's going to call it a failure. It'll be disappointing. Yeah. There'll probably yeah, be some criticism that comes to Tibbs, but yeah. World it's, of a difference from where they were yeah, before earlier Yeah, season. and and the, to me, the season is already it's it it is a success. There's no, there's no, un, like there's nothing that can happen honestly to me to make the season not a success. Um, they've basically been rewarded. I mean, I've talked about this before, but like every major decision, you can go back to it in the off season. They've come out trumps on. Like they, you know, they did all this shit to get Jalen Brunson to clear the space for Jalen Brunson, and Isaiah Hartenstein. Both those have looked like genius moves. You know, they um, kept Randall that paid off. They kept Tibbs that paid off. They paid Mitchell Robinson that paid off. They extended RJ Barrett. And for a long time, I was like, I'm not sure if this is a hit or not, but you know, we'll see these last two games. You have to feel very good about what you're seeing from him at a key point in the season. That looks like it's about to pay off, uh, you know, retaining Emmanuel quickly paid off like you all of these big decisions that they ultimately made have paid off and they're being rewarded for it i mean i wouldn't say trading for josh hart was a huge decision but like even if even if you look at the way they did it right they used their own pick and lottery protected it over giving up the dallas pick and and who would have expected that dallas would suck so much ass that they might not get that pick anyway but like they were willing to risk their own pick versus their, like basically they bet on we are going to be so good after this trade that it won't matter. And they've been rewarded for that. Josh Hart's been incredible. Like they, they have hit on so many big decisions in the last year. Um, and I, I really believe this. If, if Leon Rose, if the same exact team, same exact decision tree, same exact outcome had played out, but they were playing in Memphis 
he would be getting executive of the year. He would be in the executive of the year conversation. He might be the fucking front runner for executive of the year. He deserves to be the executive of the year. He's had to make bigger decisions and hasn't has hit on almost all of them more than any other executive in the NBA. And I know people have talked about like Monty McNair, and I think he's done a great job in Sacramento. So don't get me wrong, but like, yeah, you can, you can put keeping or hiring Mike Brown as one of the best moves any team made last offseason. I think that's unequivocally true. He's been fantastic for them. Um, but like the, the Sabonis move was made last year, you know, like Keegan Murray. I like the, I love, I love Keegan Murray by the way, but like, I mean, he was the, what the fourth overall pick. So it's not like, and I, I, he wasn't, I mean, I guess people would be like, well, they could have taken Ivy, whatever. I, I just think the Knicks have done a lot more and they're in a more competitive conference. They're in a tougher conference. They, they play in the toughest division in basketball. That's no question. There's no question about that. You know, you got Boston, Philly, New York, Brooklyn, who at least for half the season was a contender. Um, and, and then Toronto, who isn't, great but they're not like some garbage ass team right um it's the toughest division in basketball and they have come out of all of that with a team that most people that weren't Knicks fans weren't particularly high on and I wasn't super high on them mostly because I didn't trust Tibbs but all of it has paid off and that is a credit to Leon Rose and the job that he's done as as the lead executive of this team and he's put this team in a position it hasn't been in since I don't even fucking know when, since like 99. I mean, if they win this series, to me, this is no doubt about it, the best Knicks season since 99. It is. It, it just is. And the difference between this and 2013 is you don't, this team isn't done. Like they're not, they're, there's a bunch of guys that can still get better. I mean, quickly, Obi, RJ, Deuce, Grimes, all those guys can get better. Hartenstein can get better. He's only 24. Mitch can get better. He's only 25. Like Brunson will probably get better. Yeah, Brunson's not even in his prime years yet, right? Like prime years technically is usually what 27 to 31. He's 26. Um, Randall, we'll see. Like, but he was spectacular this season. You know, there's no and there's no reason, as we talked about, his shot chart is so much better now. There's no reason to not think, at least in the regular season, that he can deliver those type of performances again. So this team is in a fantastic position. And again, like I, I just as somebody who did not want to do the Mitchell trade, I love how this team has developed, and I love that it feels like you feel a real connection with the team. Because I mean, I talked about I, I tweeted this this morning, but like five of the guys in the rotation last night were drafted and developed by this team, and the a sixth guy Grimes didn't play last night because he was out injured. And then you add Brunson, who feels like he may as well have been a Nick for the last 30 fucking years or something. Um, and you get like, you know, Brandle, whatever you want to say about him, he does think like he's been here now. What is this, his fourth year with the team? Like he's and he's been through a lot with the with the organization, ups and downs. Like you you add a guy like Hart who feels like he literally was born to be a Nick. Um, Hartenstein, you know, he's just a really solid fucking player, and he's just such a great chemistry guy. Like you really feel like there's a connection between the fan base and this team. Um, and I don't think it, it, to me, it never, not that like, obviously fans embraced Carmelo Anthony when he was here, but it never felt like the connection with the team was the same as it was like, you know, those nineties teams, you really connected with them because it felt like you had been with those guys forever. They came up with the organization. So many of them. Um, and there was just a real bond there. Like 
I feel that way about this team where I feel like there's a bond there. And like, you know, I, like, again, like part of the reason why I have been so critical of RJ Barrett is because I do fucking care. Like I want him to be good. You know what I mean? There's a lot of like investment, I think for the fan base emotionally with the guys on this roster. And um, I, I think that matters. And I don't think we would feel that way if they made the Mitchell trade. I mean, they might, they might be just as good. Maybe they're better. I don't know. But like, I wouldn't feel the way I feel about this team if they had make that trade because it it is kind of like a soulless corporate mindset of like well when you get this like just you know risk it all for stars and that's like kind of like a a like a, it's like, also not effective necessarily yeah. anymore. We've talked a lot about this, but the super team thing hasn't worked for anyone. You know, I mean, it still feels like you probably want to draft the the, the lesson might be for, you want to draft that kind of a guy. But the more I think about, like, why can't Julius or Jalen Brunson um, be the, um, you know, be be your best offensive player? Why? Um, I think you know we. And look, if, if the Knicks if the Knicks win this series, we need to really think about like, is <laughs> is Brunson better than Mitchell? Like, I don't really understand how the argument isn't in favor of him if the Knicks win this series. Um. Yeah, I mean, I I think in turn like head to head can be a little. I think Mitchell has a little bit wider of a bag. He can get to his shots a little bit better against a wider variety of defenders. But one on one, you can see who owns who, right? Like, um, even when Mitchell plays good defense, you can just see Brunson's eyes light up when he gets that switch, um, which is not a great look. Um, I still think, I mean, Mitchell can get to like he can take nine, ten pull ups in a game, like that matters. Um, he's trying to figure out how to get some of the other Cavs involved. But if the Cavs did have a fifth guy or, or a little bit more support around him, um, like if you had Mitchell on this team in place of Brunson, I think he'd have a much better series. Um, so I'm not willing to go there yet, but I absolutely think Brunson is in that con- Like we talk about certain guards. We talk about De'Aaron Fox, John Morant, all these. Like why shouldn't Brunson be in that category besides the fact that he doesn't throw down crazy dunks and, you know, like it's he, he, he can get to a spot in wherever he wants very efficient player can score all over the floor. Um, he's a good enough passer. doesn't turn the ball over um, makes up for being limited on ball as a defender by, you know, he had a really a big steal and that led to a dunk with an outlet early in the first half. He adds like he, he mitigates how much value he gives back on the defensive end. Why shouldn't he be talked about as an elite point guard? I, your guess is as good as mine. Um, because He's only done it for one year, I guess. Maybe you can say that at this level, but that's really it. But it's like, it's also the first time he had the opportunity. And all we heard, right, was like, well, you know, he's going to be good, but it's not the same spacing in New York as it was in Dallas. He, you know, he's going to be the focus. He's like, and look, there were still that, people who were like, well, he looked good look next to Luca. His best games came when Luca was not right. in, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, there were people that were like, oh, like, why not go for Colin Sexton? Like, I'm like, I don't know. Cause Brunson's much better. Like I, I don't, I, I never really got that. Um, but like, yeah, he, he was, I mean, he's been great and he, he deserves to be, um, he deserves more credit than I think he's even getting. Like, I don't care about most improved, but like he, he's absolutely one of the elite cards in the league. And like, I, I think Darius Garland's a hell of a player and I think he's going to be a really good player for a long time. But in 2023, give me Jalen fucking Brunson over Darius Garland every fucking day. Like, I don't even think that's a, like, I think that's an absurd conversation. That, like, no, like, there's people who are putting Halliburton above. Jalen yeah, no. Ha, ha, when Halliburton can, like, you know, 
make a make a play in game. Um, we can have that conversation. But like like Brunson's just flat out better than those guys. And that and and the biggest thing is, you know, like I mentioned with RJ, he has proven his track, like he's proven himself in the playoffs. Jalen Brunson performs in the playoffs. He can adapt and he's such a skilled shot maker at every single level now. I mean, the three-point shooting with him, his improvement there this year has been fantastic. Um, but like his he the level he's been at, I mean, he he's been tremendous, but he can make shots. He like you you can't take away everything because he has so many counters. And like all that, oh, Isaac Coral is gonna lock him up shit. Yeah, that fucking shit ended real quick. And, and that passing shit, I promise you, it comes real <laughs> easy to a hooper like this. It does. Um, but yeah, I think that he he's he's been awesome. And so um I I you're right. Like he, you know, how many guards really are better than him? And in the not East, many. there's, dude, they have been such a fucking disaster. I'm not even. And people will hear this, and maybe one day it'll look crazy that I said this. This season isn't better than Trey Young. Uh, I don't yeah. think that's overall. Like, yeah, Trey Young got the All Star nod, had better stats, but in terms of winning, impacting winning, uh, I mean, that was even before the season. I had Atlanta over us, um, you know, because I thought. Murray and, and Trey Young was a great combo, right? Now we're just going to re- revise that history and say it actually wasn't. Um, well, I, I didn't. I liked the Knicks over Yeah, you were right about that. I'll, I'll give you credit for that. Um, but how many guards are better than him in the East? Kyrie's gone. If you want to say Trey, fine. But I, I don't think it's an un- a ridiculous conversation. Trey, Trey isn't better than him. That's a joke. No. Um, and then who, who else is there even? I mean... Like, Drew is a fantastic defensive yeah. player, but... Offensively, like, dude, he that guy puts up some of the most insane, shitty shooting numbers in the playoffs. By the way, guess who dropped 44 on Drew Holiday? Yeah, that will be a fun matchup. Yeah, yeah, it would be a great matchup. But, like, I honestly, I I think it's not, it's not ridiculous to take him over Drew. I don't think so. Um, nobody on, no one on, um, Boston. Um, Yeah, Boston, like, like, they're good, like, smart and Derek White and, those guys are good play Brogdon, like they're good players, but they're not Brunson. Um, yeah, and I would probably still take Mitchell over Brunson, but I think it's yeah, like to your point, it's damn close. I think Mitchell again, like against a little bit stronger, so like bigger wings and stuff, he probably gives you a little bit more. He has a little bit of a higher upside on defense, and like, like I think Brunson is a year away from maybe being able to get to that level of volume from three, but like that is just an insane skill, and there's a reason why both of us still think that you know, like Mitchell could just take this series over. Um, but it's really like Mitchell is the only guy I'd probably take over Brunson, like without a doubt. And then I think you have cases for Drew and Trey and that that's really it. I'm not, I'm not putting Halliburton over him. Um, and, um, and it's, and he, the thing is like, what makes this palatable if he is the best player is that he's only making, he's making a descending contract by the way, but he's making 25 on average a year. So that is in no way something that prevents you from making more moves, uh, to improve the roster. And if you really want to, yeah, maybe, maybe you look at things like, like moving Randall, I think that's a little bit of an overreaction based on one playoff series. But to your point, it's like two. you do what it's two, it's two but like with, it, this, I, I am, I am, I wouldn't write this one off for many of the reasons that you suggested. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't think he's at out close to 100%. Um, or like he doesn't have his rhythm, this conditioning isn't there. Um, yeah, like, like I said, I, I, I know that I've, I have like a, a theory, right? Like my hypothesis. And so like using what has occurred in these, in this series, I, like, again, like whenever the season ends, I really probably need to like take a week before I 
you know, decide like what, not that it fucking matters to the Knicks, but like what I think they should do with Randall, but like, because you, you need to kind of like look at everything as a whole. Right. And so I agree. Like, even if I end up feeling that they should trade Randall, like it's, it is, it's too early to, to decide yeah. that one way or the and, other, you know? And I also think, I think it'd be unlikely even if they just, I don't think they would like, if they got like a, a three on protective pick package, they might have to consider that strongly. I, I still don't think like if they were going to move Randall, it'd probably be to upgrade or like to get a better fit next to Brunson. Right. Um, I don't think they would just do it for picks or to get younger or something. Um, but I also like on that note, also like Obi Toppin was terrific. I was just watching this the clip of like the last Brunson shot and you can see Obi just sprinting baseline to baseline the whole, uh, the whole time or sideline to sideline the whole time, trying to get the rebound, calling for the, the bucket, crashing the glass again. His activity is awesome. I, I still don't know if I buy Obi Toppin as a 30 to 35 minute like starting power forward in this league. You don't just think he knows who he is at the elbow? No, it's it's not about like I I the, the defense just worries me. Um still. I thought he was terrific on defense. But I love like, I, I he, he was I I like his minutes yesterday. I mean, and I it was actually really nice forgetting like us who kind of like have always liked Obi, right? Especially, you know, once he was on the Knicks. Um you know, it's hard not to fucking root for the guy. Like he's just such a fun player and his heart is like so clearly in the right place, but it was really nice to hear Van Gundy give him praise on the, on the broadcast. Like he, he was like, he's not, he's not just playing well today. He's played well the entire series. And I a hundred percent agree with that. I think Obi has really come out like, and, and to the point of like, you know, when we talk about the concerns about Randall, you know, can he translate his play to the playoffs? Apparently Obi's better in the playoffs than he is in the regular, the regular season. So well, um, and I think this, this yeah. team, to your point, Mobley isn't this, it's not Giannis, right? Um, so that, that is a little bit of what concerns me is that can you, can Obi really be your main guy at power forward? Like if the Knicks did trade Randall, I'd probably want them to get someone who could at least split time with Obi and compliment him with those matchups. Um, I don't know if this is the guy, but someone in that Dario Sarge mold, maybe it's a guy I wanted a couple of seasons ago. Um, so I think that is another thing where like, I'm not convinced there just because of the defense right now. Um, and like, you know, he's, he's a little bit top heavy. Like I think he's done a good job in, in the weight room and all that, but there's, there's just a, a ceiling to that. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, to your point, it's awesome to see like that play with Mitchell. I was like, Move it, move it, move it. Oh, shit. He got, he got by, finishes over Allen. Um, just, and I'm like, yeah, like, how can you not love the dude? Like, he, he plays his ass off all the time. I think even, even the, you know, the, the staunchest Julius Randle defenders, and remember, like, for everyone who's, who's taking the victory app on RJ, this is what a lot of people on the Julius train did. Um, you know, I don't think even they, like, ever disliked, like, it's tough to just hate a guy who's playing 100% balls to the wall. Like, he never takes a possession off, you know, so. Yeah. Um, it's just like, honestly, it's just so nice to have all these dudes contribute and get a little bit of credit. Like I know, like, again, we talked about quickly, like he didn't even have a good offensive game, but even on the broadcast, Van Gundy was like, I think his defense has been fucking awesome. Like basically the entire series. He didn't say fucking awesome actually. Um, but yeah, he, he gave him credit, right? He's obviously Brunson's deserves all the credit he's getting. RJ deserve like maybe more than anybody given kind of how much criticism he had from the fan base myself included um he like it's awesome for him to get th these moments right uh mitchell robinson who i think is proving now not just that the knicks were right to keep him but like where does he rank 
in the NBA hierarchy of centers. I think that's a real conversation to be had oh, because you're seeing Jared Allen for a series. Yeah, an open and, Yeah, and 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 you're not just seeing like not only is he outplaying Jared Allen, but you're seeing like you know we've we we kind of like joke right about you know Tibbs is like like his 48 minutes of rim protection. He's so fucking obsessed with it, but you're seeing how valuable that is in the playoffs, that has right? that also by the way has played a part in Mitchell. Yeah, like we've, we've talked about this with Garland, right? Like Garland played really well defensively in game two, but a big part of that was you were bringing Jared Allen over and that was causing problems. Mitchell Robinson has absolutely had that effect. He blocked a three-pointer for Mitchell last game. Um, you know, I think that like, you know, even if Mitchell beats his guy, Hartenstein or Robinson is waiting for him there. And, um, and they have the length and the athleticism to really bug that. And so, um, and for a guy who's like, you know, especially last year, we're talking about does he have the ability to be like that guy and pick and roll defense anymore and drop his drop coverage on, on Mitchell, especially, has been impeccable all series long. Yeah, yeah, and he's just I I'm honestly the way he's bounced back from real not he was really good defensively throughout. He's been good defensively this entire season, but especially the first two games, you know. But offensively, he was kind of a little sloppy. He's really recovered these last two games and played very well on that end, actually. Um, and he, he, like, again, like, I, I don't know. Like, when you're talking about centers now in the league, I mean, how many guys are you really taking over Mitchell Robinson? You know, I, I don't think there are many. Aside from, like, you know, you got your star centers, right? Um, Jokic and, Embiid and, Embiid. and Jokic and those guys. But, like, I mean, I think you can make a pretty reasonable argument that in terms of playoff, playoff basketball, like, Mitchell Robinson is a more valuable commodity than somebody like Carl Anthony Towns. I think that's not like an insane argument to make. Um, Sorry, I, I, I know you hate Cat. I still wouldn't go that far. I do think. I'm sorry. Every time he gets the ball under the hoop and it doesn't go in, but he's going to the free throw line, I'm just like, it's still a thing. I'm sorry, that matters. Um, but um, at one, Carlin Towns doesn't play center. So, but like, is is Mitchell Robinson that much worse than a guy like Rudy Gobert right now? I mean, he's Rudy, better Rudy than Rudy was Gobert. Awesome. Rudy was awesome yesterday, and I think he still has that. But, um, you know, like people would, there are Boston fans who probably still think that Robert Williams just is on a completely different level um, from Mitchell Robinson. I don't think that's true. I think I, I, I might take Mitchell Robinson over Robert Williams. He gives you more on offense, Williams does. But, I mean, I, we've talked about this too, and I think me and you have argued about this. Like, you know, you can say, you know, whatever is it, four or five offensive rebounds a game Mitchell Robinson gets, it's just a few possessions. That's not changing the game. But um, for that last Josh Hart rebound, right? I think um, DJ might have clipped it, or, or someone clipped it, and you know, Prez made the comment that, like, yeah, like they're occupied by Mitch. That's partly what opens up things for Hart. Um, partly what opens up the floater game for these guys is that Mitchell Robinson draws so much attention. So it's many, many more possessions than that he's that he's affecting. I know that you kind of haven't always agreed with that, but I do think that's been a thing in this series. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, I think he's in a group of centers after that top two. Um, and maybe, you know, I, I probably put Bam as like number three in his own category, but I mean, yeah, like, I'm not so sure a guy like DeAndre in is, is, is that much better than Mitch, a little bit more versatile offensively, but the force on defense, like, I think he's in a group with those guys or certainly has looked like it this series. I am a little bit worried about, um, you know, coming in, like I thought Milwaukee, part of what made Milwaukee such a tough matchup is. Just stretch fives always cause issues for us. That's Boston's best lineups against us usually involve Mitch having to go out and guard Horford. And it's that's not all on Mitch, by the way. I don't think he's just a bad perimeter defender. I think it's also because they need him in the paint, and he really has to weigh those, and Tibbs' scheme asks him to do a lot. 
But I'll also say that the way he adapted, I think Mitchell, Mitchell hit like one or two in um, in drop coverage on, on Robinson in, in game one. He adapted extremely well. Garland got going and hit a couple of jumpers um, where I wish Mitchell had played a little bit more aggressively, but Brunson was just dying on every screen, so I can't fault him. So his adjustments, I think, in playing closer level, like knowing how much space to give to these elite pull-up shooters, I wonder if that means that he can adjust to, to having to guard someone like Brook Lopez while still being able to help in the paint, right? It, it'll be fascinating. Again, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, and we don't want to write off Miami either, but, well, I do want to write off Miami, but um, the point is... Um, you know, why wouldn't after I think there's three that I would probably say I don't consider Carl Anthony Towns the center right now. I I would put Bam um, and the two MVP candidates over Mitch, and then after that I think he's he's in a group with with the rest of them. He's outplayed a guy who people will put as high as three or four, right? I'm sure there's Cavs fans who think Jared Allen is better than Bam. Mitch has Mitch has outplayed him thoroughly. Yeah, Mitch is. I mean, he's totally won that matchup. There's no question about it. And, um, you know, as, as Kobe once said, job's not finished. Uh, but, but I think the Knicks, they, they look primed to do it. Um, they've been really good. And I get like, we, we haven't talked about this all. We need to talk about it. Game three was fucking great. Um, it was really, really fun to watch Darius Garland piss his pants. Um, and at, on, at Madison Square Garden, it was really, satisfying to watch Donovan Mitchell have a fucking like mental breakdown in a huddle at the end of the game, uh, towards the end of the game and like start screaming at his teammates. And then it was the just Zach, it's, the Zach Novak aneurysm of leadership. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because Zach Novak actually made some threes and helped the Michigan win a big 10 title. Donovan Mitchell pissed himself yesterday, um, in the biggest game of the season. So, um, maybe what, maybe the real takeaway here is Zach Novak is clear. Do you Oh, uh, do you know who Donovan Mitchell lost to in his last college game? I I will save that trivia, but I think you guys can guess who I'm talking about. Um, yeah, I mean, game three, I was at game three. Just to, I, I've been to one play, I've been to two playoff games in the COVID year. That was a pretty incredible environment. I think I've talked about it, how, um, you know, Obi Toppin at the alley-oop midway through the second half. And that was the first time I really feel, think I felt the, the floor shake. And MSG, and um, and you know, and they won that game, game two. Um, second game on to game five, and but the, the atmosphere with a full full crowd was on a completely different level. Um, and it was just, um, you know, I, I I didn't have a voice the next day. Um, and um, you know, I I just think that um, yeah, I mean, there was just it was a hell of a night. Um, and you know, I, I think that for what it's for what it's worth, um, it, it, people had, and people had talked about this coming into the series. You know, stars have big games in MSG. It's been a point of frustration for us all season. Not just stars. It seems like people just come in and, and turn into completely different players. And the stage seemed to be set. Right? You have Donovan Mitchell coming back home um, where he grew up to to you know, to play in front of the team he grew up a fan of. Um, you know, team he was rumored for. Um, Garland had coming off game two, played really well. Um, you know, and, and the Knicks, you know, people had talked about it. That there was an article written in, in uh, I think it was Cleveland.com about how the Cavs had a 23 and 18 record. I'm sorry, the Knicks had a 23 and 18 home record, which isn't stellar. Um, but you know, it's a winning record, which is better than what the Cavs did on the road. And but you know, there was question, you know, how much can MSG really rattle opponents? And I think. Certainly in Game Three, 
they they shook because ain't no such thing as halfway crooks. Well, and the, um, and it the was fun, just, the funny thing was on the broadcast yesterday, like Van Gundy went on this like he was like so persistent about me he's like i didn't think the Cavs were shook i just think they but then he was like i thought they were frenetic and lacked poise and i'm like so they were shook like i don't really understand <laughs> what you're saying here yeah it's um i mean i having it was loud man like I, I yeah i didn't have my voice the next day really fun environment well, um, e- even did... yesterday it's impressive because it's a matinee game so let's just say the uh, the crowd might not be as um well oiled as they were on a Friday night, but like the eight thirty start helped because it gave everyone an extra hour to uh, engage in whatever pregame rituals they, <laughs> they thought would get them riled up. So. But but like if you watch like the yesterday during that that fourth quarter, you know we talked about that play where RJ hit the three and they called the foul on Hartenstein or whatever it was, or the tra- no, sorry, there's travel on uh, Hart, right? Uh, Breen didn't hear the whistle, like he was like convinced that three counted and he was going on about it for like two seconds and he's like i actually couldn't hear the whistle i didn't realize like they called a travel so the crowd yesterday and friday night like forget it forget what the fuck you know did they rattle the calves or not they definitely lifted the knicks like they they lifted the team in a lot of ways and that's that was a i mean i can't imagine i can't imagine what it was like being there at game three but like for anybody that went to those games or went to one of the games or whatever it was I'm sure that was an amazing experience because it on TV you could feel the energy too. Um, so yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, and um, it, it 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 had everything. There, people still do fit, fuck Trey Young chants. I think it's more at this point like a galvanizing cry than anything about Trey Young. But uh, definitely a lot of fun. You hopped off just when I had actually a trivia question for you. Do you know what happened in Donovan Mitchell's last game in college? Uh yes. Oh wait, sorry. What was the question? What happened in Donovan Mitchell's last game in college? Um, trying to think. Did they? Did he get gained by Nick Stauskas? Not Stauskas. Morris Wagner. Oh, but yeah, right, Sweet right. 16 in Michigan. Or, no, it was, I think, it was the, the round of 32, but Louisville yeah. was, like, title favorite. Because we played, we played uh, that, what was it? Oregon. I forgot who we played. We played Oregon round one? No, in round one, it was Oklahoma State. That was a fun Yeah. Game. Yeah, that was Juwan Evans, who I thought was going to be, like, awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was Juwan Evans against Derek Walton, like two 5'10 guys just yeah. going for 30. Um, but, yeah, Donovan Mitchell's ended his career by by losing to Mo Wagner and the Michigan Wolverines. Um, but, yeah, I, I highly recommend it. I was very fortunate to be able to go uh, to game three. And uh, anyone who has a chance, you know, tickets are insane. So, um, you know, that was not an option for me. I, I, like I said, I was very fortunate. Um, but, um, you know, if you have the ability to do so, it's, uh, it's a really, it's a very unique experience. I mean, and, and if you, if you can't, you know, look, the, those tickets are very expensive. So if you can't, you know, make that happen, it's totally understandable. Um, but if you want to get a nice playoff experience for a cheap price, um, check out Brooklyn Nets tickets, um, here, they're, they're readily <laughs> available. Those texts from NYC basketball. <laughs> And then they haven't even, the thing is, we have New York playoff tickets or something like that. So, like, they don't specify that it's the Nets, but I was like, buddy, you don't have Knicks tickets, so yeah, I know what you're talking yeah, about. The Knicks don't need NYC basketball to, uh, to, to, to help them sell their tickets out. But, like, yeah, I mean, like, it was, you know what? It, it, this is such a great weekend in so many ways. It was very satisfying, obviously, for the Knicks to go 2-0 and at home. Um, it was even more satisfying to have it sandwiched, to have a nice little... Brooklyn Nets sweep uh, sandwiched in between because look, the Knicks 
for for all the accusations of like, oh, the Knicks are just they're star hungry, they're always trying to get a star. The franchise that has actually done that is the Nets, and it has not worked out for them twice. And you know, people can sit and talk. Oh, they got such a great package from Phoenix for Kevin Durant. McCall Bridges is a budding superstar. There is a budding superstar in New York. He just happens to play for the Knicks, and he runs point guard for them. Um, the Nets don't Deuce have McBride. shit. Yes, Deuce McBride. The Nets don't have shit. Um, they are a fucking clown show and organization. They got gamed by fucking Paul Reed uh, on Saturday, which was pretty nice. He's, Paul Reed's good. That was Paul I mean, Reed's good, but. Joel Embiid wasn't playing. Like, give me a fucking break. You can't win that game, then just shut the fuck up. Um, they can't score. They can't win a game when Embiid is out and James Harden is shooting 7% from the field or whatever the fuck he's shooting. Uh, it was glorious. It was a very, very nice weekend, and it was a reminder that, you know, the Nets can do whatever they want. They will never matter in this city, and they will never matter at all, um, really. So, um you know, kudos to all the fucking weirdo people that were like jumped off a cliff in 2019 when they signed uh, KD and Kyrie and oh, I'm what done up, with the Knicks. Yeah, I'm done with the Knicks and all this shit. And you know, shout out to 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 Rappaport. Andrew Yang, yeah, Andrew Yang, Michael Rappaport, uh, Crazy Kristen, and uh, the rest <laughs> of the, uh, the 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 people that jumped ship at the worst possible time. It just took a little. It took a little time. To, to to see it but um the knicks look the knicks have built this team in a way that's like again like it really if they were again if it said like memphis on the front of their jerseys i think people would be talking about how cool it is the way that they've built this team without you know tanking for years and all their shit but they won't get that credit and that's fine i don't need it um because this team is fucking awesome to root for and that game again that game on friday was that was something else uh just I yes, the Cavs miss open threes, but like you score seventy nine points in, and and they basically like nine of those points I think came basically when the Knicks had waved the white flag and brought Derrick Rose out. Like that 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 was a absolute Wait. defensive masterclass, and this entire weekend I think uh, the Knicks defense has been fucking awesome on a team level they've just been really really locked in, and I think the biggest the way, thing I remember I can, before Game Three there were people actually saying. You might need Rose's experience out there, and oh they were right. God. He got minutes in Game yeah, Three. That's what helped us. Really. And the in the at the end of the game in, in the fourth quarter, they had Derrick Rose on the floor, <laughs> so those people got their wish. But like, it's just really, um, like when when you kind of see, I, I think the biggest credit to Tibbs, uh, I can give is like one of the issues or one of the biggest issues I had during that first round series against Atlanta was just like. There was, it felt like a very, there was a unwillingness to, to adapt and change tactics. And, and it felt like there was, it, the game plan was not very opponent specific um, on either end of the floor. And this team this year is so much more locked in, in not just their focus, but they're like, you can tell they know the fucking scouting report, that they know the game plan, they're executing the game plan, who to help off of, who they're not to help off of. String. Yeah. yeah, they're 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 so locked in. Um, and like, you know, yes, there are certain guys who are doing more of the work on that end than others, but everybody, aside from whatever the hell Julius was doing yesterday, everybody is competing um on that end and everybody's giving a genuine effort and and they're again, like you said, like they're 
they're on a string. They're they are locked in. Um, and Tibbs deserves a lot of credit for that because I think it's a strong um, improvement from what we saw last time in the playoffs. And to his to his, you know, to to to, to part of it is like last time he didn't have the talent that he has at his disposal now. And like we, we talked about this right with Reggie Bullock, where we're like, this guy can't make like, he can't make Trey young pay. This is awful. Um, is the Knicks offense. That's something of beauty right now. No, but you're also playing an elite defense. What are they? Then they were the number one defense in the league. Right. Um, so like, that it's going to be somewhat of a struggle. And you said before the series that the efficiency, you throw that out the window. Yeah, yeah I, do, I don't I care I think the it. process has been largely good. They've generated good shots. Besides game two, really, they haven't They haven't really just shit the bed on offense, you know, the way, you know, the Cavs have, can do to teams, as we saw. They've mostly been, the process has been good. They're generating good shots. It's just, you know, it's it's a good defense. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been awesome. I, I, I don't even know, like... I, I'm sure that if there's the only thing I think that uh, Knicks fans are truly worried about right now is uh, whether or not we will have the 11th pick in the draft or no pick at all. <laughs> uh, I am. I am. Well, imagine if they get one Yama, dude. That would be fucking. How how could they ruin him? It'll be interesting, but I'm sure that I'm sure that Mark Cuban will find a way. God. Um, but um, you know the the. Yeah, like I think I am now looking ahead. Maybe is is it too early to look ahead a little bit? Because you know, uh job's not finished. Job's not finished. But <laughs> you get past this, there is a non-zero chance that Miami, a team the Knicks have played well all season, who I think they're better than, will be there. Um you if they play the Bucks, the Bucks the Knicks have played the Bucks tough too, even though I don't I hate that matchup and I would expect the Knicks to lose, but you know, the way they're playing right now, if you get this RJ Barrett, it's a game changer, like you said. Um, you know, you get everyone playing this well. And, and you know, if, if Randall wakes up, um, you know, I, I think that, that like, like here's the thing. And this is why people are like, the Knicks aren't a true contender. I think it's worth, I'll say this much. I think I've said it before, and, and like, the, these last two games have done nothing to dissuade me. I do not ultimately think the Knicks are one of the two or three best teams in the league. Um but there's no one I really am like, it's not like the LeBron heat where I was like, it, they are inevitable, right? Like, I think the Bucks are better. They have a superstar of their own. There's no one I'm like, we don't have a chance against. Like, you know, if we really play above our head. I think they have a chance against anyone. And I, like, why, why wouldn't you start talking about, like, people are talking about the Kings. People are talking about, you know, lower seeds in the West. People are talking about, people were talking about the Cavs being a dark horse. Why wouldn't you start talking about the Knicks? As like like going all the way, like I don't think it's a crazy notion at this point. But I think it's unlikely, but not crazy. I mean, it, look if if Milwaukee wins, that's just that's just the one team in this. I mean, honestly, it's, this is kind of crazy to say. It's basically like the one team in the entire league. I just think the Knicks have. It's very hard for me to see them winning that series, assuming Giannis is healthy. I mean, if Mitch but, is playing with this, I'm not even scared of the Nuggets, you know? like <laughs> No, I'm not scared. The West is a joke. No team in the West scares me. That, well, because he, entire... he kills us, usually. That's the Jokic yeah. does. Yeah, but Mitch Mitch, Mitch did well against him last time they played, so we're yeah. good. Mitch, Mitch is he's elevating his game. I mean, he might be, he really might be taking a leap right now. Like, I know, and I know, like, he's always been a good rim protector, and the numbers have always worn out that the Knicks defense is better with him on the floor than off. But, like... That's Again, something you had I, mentioned is that he doesn't always play well against elite bigs. He's starting yeah. to do that too. So yeah, and and he's not just against elite bigs, but like Jared Allen's a good center. To be thoroughly outplaying him is a big deal. 
like that's that's not insig that's not insignificant. That's very very much a big deal. Um, and like it's so weird because like he's always kind of uh, there are these weird centers that he's always struggled against. Like Jakob Pertl for some reason always gives him a really hard time. Um, but like Embiid usually gives him a hard time. And- yeah, but, but yeah. I mean Embiid is. Embiid is his own thing. Um, but yeah, like to, to see him just dominate this matchup is so awesome. And like, I think again, like that's just the best part about this team is it's these guys that like, you know, like back in like 2018, we were like, man, Mitch, like people don't like, well, if he gets his shit together, he could be so good. And it's like, you know, around like people, fans of other teams and talking heads and all these people are like, they're like, what are you fucking talking about? Like the Knicks don't have talent. The Knicks don't have this. And to see some of these guys, like, you know, Mitch come good in the playoffs. Obi have his moments. RJ have his moments. Brunson, like all these different dudes. It's just awesome. It's really, really awesome. It's really, really satisfying as a fan. And I'm very happy for all of those players individually. And obviously for the team and, you know, uh, I'm just happy about it all. It's fucking great. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. And I mean, I think that's another thing you got to, someone was talking about this. Um, you know, I, I think, I think the last part I did with Matt Miranda, he's talking about this, that like, this is kind of, um, people said this about the 2020-21 season, but, you know, this is still a season where the expectations weren't great. And so everything is just, it's, it's a, you know, everything is, is a pleasant surprise, right? To see this. And this realistically will be the last season for these Knicks where that is the case. Because um, the expectations are going to start whenever the offseason begins. Um, and, you know, one, going forward, you hope that you, we keep that in mind, you know, if and when they have their setbacks, if and when they can't get over that hump, you know, assuming they continue to progress. But, you know, like we saw, like the Bulls had the greatest player of all time, how many years it took them to get over the hump. I mean, I know that if I had been a Bulls fan when just watching them lose the Pistons, especially the second year, uh, or the last year before they won it, when, you know, Pippen has the migrating game seven, you know, those kind of things. But it's that much worse when you have expectations. And when you get to the Eastern Conference Finals every year, like in the 90s, and you expect it, you don't get to enjoy it as much. So that's the other thing. Like, that's what you have to remind yourself. I'm not great at this. I get, I go really mad after game two. Um, I don't think I can. But, like, you have to remember, like, you got to enjoy the ride. Like, because this is probably the last year for the Knicks where there won't be expectations. And we can really just enjoy them beating the shit out of Cleveland, you know? Yeah. Like, it's... Like them making getting an automatic playoff berth, and just obviously the development we saw from a lot of the young guys and all that shit had already made the season a success to me. So this is all like gravy at this point. Um, but man, well, I want. I also wanted to, like I think that you would also. I wanted this to be a competitive series. If it was a gentleman sweep, we lost. Yeah. It was the Hawks series again. That would have yeah. been concerning. It won't be. I mean, blowing a three-one lead would be not ideal either. Uh, and maybe if Tibbs really shits the bed, that'll be a conversation. But short of that. I mean, I like, and I don't, I think he's been, like you said, he knows the personnel well inside and out. He's had his finger on the pulse. Like you can argue that the timing hasn't always been ideal for some of his adjustments, but he's made them when he had to. So I don't really anticipate that, but anything's possible. But um, short of that, like, yeah, like you didn't, you didn't want to see them just look like they didn't belong with Cleveland. And after four games, no matter what happens from here on out, the, the question really uh, and I, I think I think it was Captain Pearl on Twitter mentioned this. You know, everyone was freaking out after Game Two, but here's the thing, right? We saw a couple years ago a five seed that was scrappy that had a very ball dominant point guard come into Madison Square Garden, take Game One as the road team and the road underdog, 
Um, the Knicks came back in game two, but they were going back to Atlanta with a 1-1 split. Just yeah. like we were coming back to New York as the underdog, but with a 1-1 split. And we were puffing our chest after game two too, right? Like we figured them out. That's a lot of people have said, I think even Reddick said that, right? Like the Cavs figured something out in game two. And I think that's going to be sustainable. And the Knicks just came home, just like Atlanta went home. And and the, those two games weren't really, this game ended up being close in the third, the Atlanta, uh, Cleveland's last guess. But, you know, the real question is, does, I mean, I, I do, I don't think, Cleveland is a bad team. I think they're very good, and I think they match up well with the Knicks. And you know, there's the series is far from over, but I think it's looked more often like Cleveland doesn't look belong on the same floor as the Knicks than the reverse. And that's how I, I felt all Atlanta series that we didn't belong on the floor with them for the most part. It looks like we have more talent. That's what I felt like in that Atlanta series. It was like they have more talent than us, which is why like I there was things that Tibbs didn't do in that series that I was like, why did, wouldn't you do that? But I also just, I mean, there were people that were like, oh, like, Tibbs lost us this series or whatever. And I was like, no, I don't think that's what happened. I think like we just didn't have the talent. You have like Reggie Bullock out there getting locked up by Trey Young. There's not much you can fucking do. Um, yeah, we went from and, Reggie Bullock and um, I mean, Alec Burks. Yeah, well, let's, say, let, let's, let's not put Alec Burks in the same boat as uh, Reggie Bullock here. But like you went from those being your wings. And I do think Alec Burks in this team, by the way, would be really good. Too. Yeah, I think he'd be, be fucking good. awesome. Um, but, um, you know, you had those guys and we've upgraded now to Josh Hart, um, and Grimes, and Grimes right. So, yeah, and quickly uh, kind of, right. Because he's like, kind of plays that off ball role, that two guard I mean, role. He was sometimes. on that team as well. The, yeah. With the Rose, but he wasn't, he was not, he was not, he was defense. a bad defender or he was, he was yeah. like a, not a great defender at all. Yeah. Now um, he's like making rotations and I'm like, are you a fucking genius? Like what's going on and, here? And I think a criticism a lot of people have had, and this might, Tibbs might believe this to some extent. Part of the reason he probably closed with Hart as well as the fact that Hart was just playing phenomenally and, and has an impact on the glass that he even quickly doesn't. But, um, you know, one of the things people have said is like quickly can be, I'm not, I, I, people have pointed out quickly's point of attack defense as maybe not stellar, right. Or, you know, or blowing up handoffs or whatever. When he's asked to do that, though, um, when he's no, I'm, I'm not picking anyone. And like I know, the synergy, I stats, know. synergy stats do, um, you know, somewhat lend some some credence to this. Now it's a low volume for for quickly, but there's reason to expect like you know, like he's not intimidating at the point of attack, but he can be. And when he's asked to do that, and like when he's asked to like usually plays a little bit more conservatively against screens and handoffs and stuff because I think the Knicks like to do that. When he's asked, and I think when Tibbs says, "All right, you stick to that motherfucker like glue." You saw it. I think there was a game where it was Melton or Patty Mills, like was just hitting a bunch of threes against the Knicks, and then quickly was like trailing, playing in trail, right? And that wasn't good enough. He stuck to him like like white on rice. You saw it with Garland. Garland like had that one transition three on quickly in, in game two. Where I was like, man, you had you cannot give that up. Quickly, like whenever he's had been in Garland, like he has been in his jersey. Dude, so it's he, not like quickly he, he's in a good totally, under, He just he you know. locked Garland the fuck up. Like yesterday, I'm telling you, if you go back and rewatch it, okay, I I didn't love Tibbs's um I thought he took too long to make adjustments in the third quarter to change the lineup and whatever. But like once quickly came back in, all that all that uh all that shit that Garland was doing, it was done. It was done. That the game was finished by the, like he came in, I think, with like three minutes left in the second in the third quarter and he checked out with about eight minutes left in the fourth quarter but the game was done at that point and I, like that's not to say he won us the game but he took garland out of his the rhythm that he was in i think and, that actually gave him more confidence on offense too i think even yesterday i thought he played 
with confidence on offense, at least the first stretch. He just missed a couple of shots on the glass. Yeah, and I, I think, like, really, I mentioned this on the rundown after game three, but, like, I didn't think he played without confidence in the second half um, or in the game really at all. I think he deserves a lot of credit because he is playing. He's like, it is hard when you've had the games he's had this year. And, you know, he's the way he's like exploded towards the end of the season to scale it back and to play a role for the team. And, and he is doing that. And he is like, he what he has had to do offensively in a lot of ways is completely selfless. Like when he's on the floor with Brunson, the entire plan is for him to be used to free up Brunson and get him a better matchup or whatever it is to do that. And to still be as effective as he is. And then to, to play with the energy and effort he is defensively. It just says like, like that's why like I love him. And I think why Knicks fans love him is like, it's not, yeah, like all the scoring and all that shit is great. And obviously that's that that can make him any you know elevate him to a different level of player but the fact that he can have games like he did yesterday score no points you know, two rebounds one assist and you can still feel like he had a positive impact on the game it, it's you don't find a lot of players like that like I, I think honestly i've been kind of you know we kind of bounced around like who is he like well what's a com- like close comparison but like a guy who i think he actually is like compares favorably with um, he's like a super offensive version of this guy, but like, it's like D'Anthony Melton. Like those guys can just fill in gaps on teams and provide value in so many different ways and do so many different tasks. And like, I don't know what you want to call him. Starter, sick man, fucking, you know, star role player, whatever. Those guys are invaluable. And, um, he, I think he's been really, really good these last two games, even if the offense isn't eye, eye popping, like, and, and that's not to say he's been the best player on the team or anything. I think RJ was, again, I think he's these last two games for RJ probably considering the stakes and everything, the two best performances of his career. He's game been, four definitely, I would say hands down, like he's yeah. had 44 in a regular season game, like compared to this is a different level against yeah, the best they, defense yeah. to go up three, one when, and by the way, like going back to RJ also like, and he was four, seven in the fourth quarter. Like he delivered when you needed him to deliver and he delivered he kept he had timely baskets in the third when the knicks were shitting the bed and brunson was not playing well um like tibbs had gotten so frustrated that he actually went back to the center screens which as we've seen just haven't worked these series that, that well and it was rj you know after that hardness land block getting down court finishing getting up in transition had a couple of nice drives and finishes to keep the knicks afloat in a time where they were they were really reeling and um and i said this in game one i don't think you agreed but like game one in the first quarter when when brunson was in foul trouble you know rj didn't score the rest of the game but like he had a couple of buckets and, and he was in he, some of his assists and playmaking when when quickly was really was struggling on ball brunson's out um you know like and, and they had and brunson and randall were both on the bench he has made plays in timely moments like this series for much of it and i, I don't think that's something to to, to discount necessarily yes all no, it's huge. minutes are the same um yeah. and the, the, uh, third, the third the game three and game four from him like yeah you're, he it felt like every time they needed to get a bucket it was either brunson or it was him you know like he's delivered like you said or heart i mean heart that floater he made was if i was a Cavs fan i'd have been so fucking mad about <laughs> they just threw it up. i think even <laughs> he knew like that was bullshit yeah um and i, I would yeah i mean that that's fair to say and going back to IQ, I think even game four when he won 0 for 4, but like games one and two, 
like without underselling it, he honestly looked like like a deer in the headlights when they're when they were coming up to set the screen and he had Jared Allen in his grill. He was playing very tentatively, but like he just it didn't see and like couldn't shake Garland. He just he looked completely yeah like a deer in the headlights. Like he wasn't ready on offense. And then game three, and even yesterday, like there was no point when he was running the offense that I didn't feel like he was in control. Yeah, right? I actually, so I actually think it was weird because Deuce played like five minutes with him in that stretch, and I thought it was just odd that like Tibbs called a timeout and like pulled Deuce, and I just thought it was really weird because I was like, I think they're playing really well. I don't think you need to take a timeout here at all. Why, why are you doing this? Um, but yeah, like I, I agree. I don't think he, like he, I, I do think he's playing within himself a little bit right now. Um, but there's a difference between like playing scared and playing within yourself. And I think it's okay if like he went like it's okay if you dial it back. It's okay sometimes. Like they, they didn't need him to be a 20 point scorer yesterday, right? So like in that moment, if the best thing you can do is scale it back and then dial the fuck in on defense and make Garland's life hell. I mean, again, watch go watch his second half. He only played like seven minutes or whatever it was in the second half, but that stint, like he just totally changed the complexion of the game and change like you if on the broadcast van gundy and mark jackson they were talking about like oh the Cavs are the aggressors right now you can see the next body language isn't good and he was they were right and when he came in like it changed the tenor of the game defensively and i think that's where the knicks really got control of the game again and you know by the time he checked out i think they only had a four point lead but like it really felt like they were very much in control at that point and Cavs just couldn't get it back. And obviously you have like, you know, Brunson, Hart, RJ all come up with huge buckets on the stretch. Hart and Sam was awesome. But like, again, like this is the best part of the team, right? Is like you have every single night, there's a different guy that can step up and help you in different ways. And like, it's just, it's great. Like it's, it's fucking awesome. I love watching this team and I love just like, you know, how competitive they are. And honestly, like how selfless so many of the players are on this team, you know, like, We've seen Brunson take a backseat to various guys. We've seen Randall take a backseat to various guys. We've seen RJ obviously do that. Like we've we've seen Hart. Forty eight and Rose could have made a stink, right? Going all the way yeah. down. They they they've been good soldiers, and you know, despite getting paid and and being veterans, like they they understood what it was. Yeah, hundred percent. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to Game Five. I feel like the Knicks won't win that game, but who knows? I mean, they look like the better team right now. And um, they got three shots to close it out. It would be nice to just get it done. I know that an elimination game at home is, you know, winning it at home would have its own appeal. But, like, I'd prefer, you know, what did Giannis say? Don't play with your food. Or as Doc Rivers said, uh, don't play with your meat. Um, but, yeah, the Knicks, the, Knicks should, that, not, <laughs> the Knicks should not play with their food. Um, they, they, if they could, it would be wonderful to just end it on the road in Cleveland and rest up for – the second round because look if, if randall is hurt obviously that would be nice to have a week off or whatever the fuck it is because i think this bucks heat series at minimum it'll it's gonna go six games but it might go the distance just given what, how it what started is what is the situation with the honest he's playing tonight um so they said as long as there no, there's no setback he's gonna play tonight so assuming if if Giannis is back i think they win this series three in a row in six games but it's not inconceivable it could go the distance yeah. Um, and either way, I think the Knicks would have a pretty significant rest there. Um, and, uh, and yeah, to, to your point, you, we will need Randall for that series. So uh, whatever they can do to get him healthy uh, is a big deal. And the last thing I'll say is like, I, this doesn't seem like a team that's going to play with its food in the playoffs. Yeah. 
No, it's, it's not going to be. If they lose, they'll just lose because they didn't. Make the Cavs play better. Yeah. Right. Exactly. They're not going to. It's not going to be an effort thing. Um. All right. I think that's a good place to end it. Stacy, let the people know where they can find you and uh, plug anything you'd like to plug. Uh, Stacy Patton, eighty nine. Um, I will plug if you haven't checked out Matt Miranda's recap on yesterday's game. It starts out with a World War II analogy, <laughs> and uh, when Matt Miranda starts off a game recap with a World War II analogy, you know it's going to be really good. Um, and uh, we also released another pod um, after um, after the game yesterday, actually, too. So if you didn't hear enough about me talking about that game, uh, you can check that out as well. Um, but uh, yeah. Awesome. Um, I I will echo uh, what Stacy has said. Um, uh, Matt's recap was fantastic. So definitely give that a read. Uh, I will also plug all of the wonderful work at Strickland. Uh, the recaps have been great. Um, there's been great draft content that Prez has put out, even though I'm sure that he's terrified the Knicks won't have a draft pick. Uh, but that is our pod for today. I hope everybody has a great, great week. Hopefully the Knicks win on Wednesday. And I will see you on Friday. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.